0: This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. It's four minutes past four. It's Tuesday, the 15th of September, and it's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Did you know that 2,000 dogs a year are being specifically bred for medical testing They're being bred so they can kill them. Did you? I mean, I thought that had finished. I had no idea it was still going on. Uh, The lifer, he's uh, up on the jail roof. He said, I'm going to spend 40 days and 40 nights up there. Spend as much time as you want, sweet pea, up there. Stay there. Hope you fall off, Okay? He's in for murder. He's going to spend... Why are we wasting time with him? Let him fall off. Couldn't care less. Dane Bowers, convicted of assault. Nasty piece of work, eh? Could face jail. That'll be good news for him. Louis Walsh says the X Factor is dreary without him. He's so right. Uh, The Lord Mayor of Pomposity... And Prince Andrew, he can't find anybody to play with, can he, poor soul? Sean Connery at 85, looking a bit frail. And uh, could a robot steal your job? There's a hotel in Japan, and the receptionist is a robot. The cloakroom attendant is a robot. The uh, person who takes your cases to the room is a robot. And if, uh, thank God they couldn't make it on this programme. Thank God they couldn't make it on this programme to LBC. it be funny, actually, wouldn't it? There, there is a radio station in America which is totally automated. It's a speech... Ste- well, it's sort of a speech. It's a music station, really. But the uh, but the jocks speak, except it's all automated. They've just recorded lots of phrases, and they put them in there, and they send reporters out, and if the reporter needs to file a story, he dials a number on the telephone, and he can access the on-air studio. And he can cut into music and go, I've got this report coming in, and they can play the jingles and everything. Really clever. The will never work here, thank God. Uh, Liza Minnelli's tour is off. Uh, various reasons. Some say she's not sold enough tickets. Other people say the ticket prices were too high. And other people say they couldn't strike a deal with her fee. You thought they'd have uh, thought about that one. I don't know. I wonder. Would you have gone and see Liza Minnelli? She was going to be doing the Palladium. I was a bit excited by that. To be interviewed by Bruce Forsyth. He was going to come and a good game, good game. And Liza Minnelli would have walked down and then they'd have had a chat and she probably would have sung a, sung a few songs. I'm not sure whether or not, and I have to put hand on heart on this one, I think there are fans out there for Liza Minnelli, people who have followed her, her career and her ups and her downs and her, her real downs and stuff like that, but would it be enough to fill the London Palladium? That's what you have to think to yourself. And I sort of thought, you know, if I was going to do a one-man show for Steve Allen, could we fill the Royal Albert Hall? And I reckon, you know, we could. I think we probably could. But anyway, that's another story. Uh, Could olive oil reduce breast cancer risk? I have no idea. But it's a story that features in the paper today. And the EastEnders star nightmare. She's got a stalker sleeping outside her home follower. It's a bit creepy, isn't it? I mean, anybody who sort of, you know, starts, with, it's like, you know, people say, well, do you know where so-and-so lives, or so-and-so lives, or that, that celebrity that you think you need to be uh, examined by the police. Luckily, the CCTV's everywhere, so people get picked up on them. Uh, Labour in chaos as uh, they've unveiled the front bench. I don't know where they've got half of them from. Seriously, there's some very odd choices and they're Very, very odd choices. And uh, a record price for the first issue of The Beano. People collect comics. I do not collect comics. I wish I probably had done. If I'd thought about it years and years ago, every time something came out, I should have started collecting it. But then, you know, pfft, where would you end up with an awful lot of magazines and stuff like that? So, uh, so best not, I think, unless you've got tons and tons of room. So I spent yesterday trying to find the blasted logbook for the car. I I don't know what's happened to it. I mean, let's face it, the last time I probably saw it was about four years ago. Because I think I had the last car for about four years. It might be, yeah, four years, I would think. So where would it be? Where would it be? And I'm not sure. I'm not sure, actually. Somebody said, everybody suggested the glove compartment. That seems to be the place that you put them. And I haven't looked in the glove compartment yet. I think that's where the MOT is. But because I didn't actually need the registration document. I have no idea where the blasted thing is. There's one box at home in a storeroom, which I'm going to look at, which was in the boot of the car. And I think, I think it might, if it isn't in there, luckily I've covered myself and I've ordered a new one. I phoned up DVLA. It was so nice, you know. Hello. Because they're in Swansea. And, uh, or Cardiff. Or somewhere Welsh. And uh, and you sort of, you just say to them, oh, can I do it? And they sort of say, lady, give me your postcode. And so I give them a postcode and all the rest of it. Okay, that'll be £25, please. And, um, and th- th- you just it was, it was conducted in a matter of seconds and it'll be with you very shortly. So uh, that, so that, that's covered me. It just means I'm either going to pick the car up this Friday or I'm not going to pick the car up this Friday. And I need to pick it up this Friday because we've got World Rugby starting. The opening ceremony is on Friday evening at about 7 o'clock. And then I think the first game is, I think it's France. I, could be, I, can't, I can't quite remember actually. It's sold out, whatever it is, 82,000. And uh, that's on the Saturday so it's going to be quite a busy weekend in Twickenham. What with Paul Cooper's shop opening today, officially, officially opening today, fruit and veg. And um, and then we've got the rugby. And I'm clearing the boot of my car, which so far has taken me one one trip. I went to Marks and Spencer's and I said, can I have four bags for life? And they looked at me like I'm mad, but they know me anyway, so. And, um, and so I bought the four bags for life, I went back. I managed to take in them from the boot of my car. We managed to whittle it down to... 12 bottles of Prosecco and Champagne, two bottles of vodka, three boxes of chocolates, big boxes of chocolates, uh, bottles of water, litre of mango juice. I had so much stuff in there, seriously. And I've only just half emptied it, so I'm going to have a, another little go today once I've found this blasted logbook. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a look at home in this last place to find the logbook. And if it's not there, then it's got to be in the glove compartment. It's got to be. In, it cannot be anywhere else. There is nowhere else where I would put things. And I definitely haven't thrown it out Please, God, I haven't That would be a nightmare, wouldn't it? And uh, and then I've got to find the uh, the books that came with it, with the history and all the rest of it. Because most cars now, you need to have some sort of history, which means you get better prices for the car. And so I've got full service history, going back to, uh, to when the car was first, uh, first new. So I'm going to sort that out today, because yesterday, yesterday, having done it, because I sat here, if you remember... We had Richard Hammond coming in. Well, we thought we had Richard Hammond coming in. Because it turned out, I'm sort of watching the television. I sort of, I finished doing the programme. We recorded the podcast. I go outside. I thought, well, actually, he's, he's going to be in for, for half past nine, which is great time for me. Then I can go home and do everything else. So, um, and I'm sort of, you know, faffing around, chatting to people on other radio stations, generally making a nuisance of myself, which I'm quite good at doing. In fact, sometimes people say, look, I'm trying to work. Go away. <laughs> so I go, all right. But then let me tell you about something, so we get we get carried away with it. So I was watching the television. Up comes Richard Hammond. He's on Sky because the program that he's uh, that he's promoting is on Sky. It's his Amazon Quest, not Amazon as in the motoring program, which is coming from Amazon Prime. But this is Amazon up the Amazon. And so uh, I'm looking at it. And I'm looking at the clock, and I'm thinking, he's at Sky. I don't think I've ever had anybody who has been to Sky. And then come to me afterwards and made it on time because the traffic from West London is abysmal. I mean, it's absolutely appalling because you're coming in one of the main arterial routes into London. You're coming in uh, on Sky. You go down the Great West Road. Solid yesterday. Solid. Absolutely solid. And this was by the time I got back when I went off to go and empty the car out. Absolutely rammed because a lorry had broken down, and the police, for some inexplicable reason, had coned off a huge lane, so we all came down to two lanes, which which annoyed me slightly, but anyway I' got over that, and so I look at i 'm thinking there's no way he's going to make it and I, I I was looking at him and he he did the interview and all the i 'm thinking you 've left forty five minutes to get here it 's not going to happen it 's absolutely not going to happen. so I went upstairs to have a chat to the showbiz team, and because uh, I always have to check who 's going to do the recording for me, and it was Faye. And so I said, OK, great. I said, which studio are we in? OK, you're in opposite uh, Dave and Lisa. So that's all sorted out. And then the video team come in and the video team connect. all. They, they they change all the micro. It's amazing. It really is. They they actually change all the screens and there's like 10 screens on the wall. Push a button. All of a sudden, the LBC logo's up on every one of them. They change all what we call the mic muffs here. It's allegedly to stop you popping. Do you remember years ago, you'd hear like that and it would bang against the microphone. And so we've got these mic marks. So they, they they put those on. There's a dedicated team upstairs that does all of this. And then downstairs, in the bowels of the building, they've got the video editing suite, and then you sit the guests down. They've got special lights. We've got them in here as... We got them? Yeah, we've got them in here as well, which uh, are sort of to illuminate you more for TV. So even in this little studio, we've got la- uh, lights, and the ones upstairs, all the studios are fitted with these lights so you can do TV. So we're all ready, and I said to her, I said, right, so the, the video team are all ready. That's fine. You're yeah, ready to go at 9.30 because he's obviously got something else to do afterwards. And so I said, you do know, I said, that he's coming from Sky. I said, I don't think he's going to make it on time. I really don't. And so she said, oh, we'll wait and see. She was very optimistic about it. And I thought, well, that's good. Let's be positive. And, um, and then at 20 past nine... I'm sort of just about gearing myself up. I've done all my research. I've, you know, checked everything out. I know exactly what I'm doing. Uh, I get a phone call from Joe upstairs to go. I'm the phone call you've been expecting. She said they've uh, they've cancelled. So I said, oh, no. she said that apparently the, the, the tra- it's raining. The traffic up there is absolutely terrible and they're just not going to make it in time. So I said, OK, fine. So. So I'd sat around for two and a half blooming hours. I mean, to be honest with you, I know what the traffic's like in London. I've been living here for God knows how many years. So I know exactly what it's like and I know that occasionally you get problems. But it's a shame because I was really looking forward to talking to him. And we were going to run it for this weekend. But we have got, luckily, a few uh, stacked up in the can, as they say. So I'm, I'm hoping, actually, there might, be, uh, there might be a couple more that come in this week. We'll have to w- We'll just wait and see. Anyway, so that was yesterday. And uh, today... Well, as I say, it's uh, finishing emptying the boot of the car and saving bits that I want and getting rid of bits I don't want and uh, and finally this blasted logbook. Do you know, it's got to be somewhere simple, hasn't it? Why would you hide a logbook? Why would you hide a logbook, Stephen? Think logically. So I'm trying to think logically. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We, uh, we put them all in on the programme. Peter says, Louis Walsh knew when to leave the X Factor. Rats always abandon sinking ships. Mind you, Peter's the same one who says, why is it called the shadow cabinet? Because they're shadowing their opposite number. So you get shadow, home secretary, shadow, you know, this, because they're shadowing the person who's actually got the job. Okay. It'd be like Steve Allen having a shadow presenter, which I haven't. But uh, if I was thinking the other day, actually, who would they put in if I went on holiday? And I couldn't, I couldn't think of anybody. I seriously couldn't think of anybody off the top of my head, because if I did go on holiday, there's a lot of programmes to cover. There's quite a number of eight programmes in the course of a week. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy for us, but for somebody coming in going, how many programmes? Good grief, you're not serious. Quarter past four. (laughs) Look at the team this morning. Does it matter that Labour's new shadow cabinet has little experience in the posts they've been handed? Should the UK really be hosting one of the world's largest arms fairs this week? And do 13-year-olds need to be taught about human rights in schools? Absolutely not. That's uh, Nick and the team at seven after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Looking at the papers today, chairman of the Broadcasting Press Guild and a freelance journalist for The Times and The Standard, Gideon Spanier. It's not David Spanier's son, is it? It's Gideon Spanier, David Spanier's son. Oh, to no David Spanier. David Spanier was LBC's diplomatic correspondent and wrote a fantastic book years ago. I don't think he's with us anymore. In fact, I'm, I'm pretty certain. He wrote a fantastic book on um, on gambling. He wrote a book on gambling while he was at LBC. Such a nice man. Such a nice, nice man. I keep looking at all these pictures on the television of this prison on the roof. I say this prisoner, this convicted murderer on the roof. And I keep thinking, what a waste of manpower. They're up there on ladders. There's police cars cordoning off the If he falls, he falls. Who cares? Why are we wasting time? What a waste of money that this police car sitting here, police officers standing around, you know, firemen standing around. Listen, just leave him up there. He wants to stay up there. When he comes down, he's of course, and he will be having to come down because he's got no water and uh, he wants to stay up there for for a month. Let him stay up there for a month. He started smashing windows. To be honest with you, I'd have just sort of got a gun out and just sort of gone goodbye. Why waste your time? He's a convicted murderer, what is the point? I should imagine the family of the person he murdered are thinking, why doesn't he just fall off? You have to laugh though, don't you, when we, we spend so much time. Do you remember a few years back? I remember it distinctly in London, because I remember thinking at the time, another inconvenience for the poor people who drive in London. I think a protester, and I think I'm pretty certain it was Fathers for Justice, they scaled Tower Bridge. So immediately they they closed the bridge off. They closed the bridge off. And I remember thinking at the time, well, what's the point of that? And they said, in case he falls. I thought, well, it's not going to make any difference if he falls, whether whether there's traffic going over the bridge or whether there's not any traffic going over the bridge. Is there? I mean, I didn't think so. And so he unveiled his banner and that was all very nice. They've done it on, they used to do it fairly regularly, didn't they? Buckingham Palace, I remember. But it was the Tower Bridge one. So all the traffic that would have gone over Tower Bridge, all of a sudden, they're going nowhere. They have to turn around the, the inconvenience. Reminded me of the story, I think it was in Japan where a bloke scaled a motorway bridge and sat there holding up the traffic, so the police held it up, and the man's got his banner out and he's doing his whole business, and some bloke got so fed up, he got out of his car, he scaled this uh, thing that went over the motorway and he pushed him off. <laughs> it's like, you're not holding my day up anymore, pal. and uh, And that was that. So you've got a prisoner up there, a convicted murderer smashing windows at the top of the prison which then somebody's got to go up and repair these things all over again and you think to yourself oh why doesn't he just fall and do us all a favour why should you bother keeping him for the rest of his life it's just not worth it is it Um, uh, somebody says go for white no it's not white people are so thick I mean why would you want white car That's for weddings isn't it white car for weddings and then somebody says don't worry about emptying the boot leave it as it is. when you swap it on Friday develop a bad back oh no they'd be more than happy to do it they'll do anything for me Anything for me, but uh, I've already signed the contract. I've already paid for it. It's my car. It's my car. I went and paid the uh, the money yesterday because I'm good like that and then and then John says there must be a lot of work needed on your car. what because I'm not picking up until Friday no we're doing uh, we're doing number plate transfer. Doing number plate transfers, you can't do that. And also, they do a hundred point check on the car to make sure that everything's absolutely perfect. Comes with a two year warranty, so there's no work needed. It's uh, it's drivable, but they give you they have to give you a warranty that comes with it. So that's what it is. But uh, no, there's no work needed at all. It's very very low mileage, very low mileage. But I mean, I could have got them to empty the boot. They would have happily emptied the boot from one to the other. But I thought, no, now is a good opportunity to start whittling it down. And so I threw away a bin liner full of full of rubbish and things that I didn't need and I'll probably do the same again today and so then the stuff that I'll leave in there will be the stuff to transfer into the boot with the new one which will be ready on Friday but they're hugely popular or hugely busy down there I mean I think when I went in there last how many cars did they have in I think they've got something like 30 or 40 uh, for sale and then in the workshops well there's loads of cars in there loads of cars including a very famous person's car. I can't tell you who it is because that would be betraying a confidence that a very famous person's car went in the other day. And they do everything. It's, it's a one-stop shop. They do panel beating. They do conalising. They, they do everything for the cars, absolutely everything. You can take a car that's been involved in an accident and within a few months it can come out looking absolutely brand spanking new. Seriously, their, their, their paint jobs are exemplary, absolutely exemplary. Uh, Jeanne Croydon thinks I sound grumpy. Phew! No chance. Never grumpy. I don't do grumpy. I've never done grumpy. I can't do grumpy. I can do. I can do slightly weed off, but I can't do grumpy. I don't think I've ever done grumpy. Grumpy. What would be grumpy? No, I had such a good day yesterday. Such a good day because I'd, I'd sort of managed to empty the car of sort of as far as I could get yesterday, and then I paid for it, so that was all sorted out. And then I went home, and I went to. Um, I, I treated them yesterday at Paul Cooper shop. I don't know what on earth came over me. But I thought, they, they never get around to having their lunch in there, the guys. So I bought them a party bucket of Kentucky fried chicken. Ten pieces and four fries. Well, were they grateful? Were they grateful? I mean, it was, you know, it must be quite nice when you're there. And it's, well, they devoured it like they've never seen food before. Poor little Tom. He was sort of going, oh, thank you, thank you. That's, that's, uh, they're not going to get it today. That's a fact. They're not getting it today. But uh, no, it's it's nice when you take somebody in a present. They they seem fairly grateful. Um, I hope the grand opening goes uh, goes well today. Says Maggie of uh, the shop. I was invited. And unfortunately, I can't attend due to work commitments. Have a prosecco on me. So love to Paul, Pat, and Brian. Any word of a show coming up? Not. A, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. Still, it sounds like the title of a song, doesn't it? <laughs> I remember when I was five and you were ten. Uh, Peter says, I thought the shadow cabinet, because I spent most of the time on holiday under the sunbeds. No, 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 no. They're called shadow because shadow. Alana says, do you believe in ghosts? No, I don't. No, I have no belief in ghosts. I mean, I've often invited them in because this building would be classic, classic ghost material. Because years and years ago, in the 1700s, there were houses on this site. There would have been quite a few houses, and one of them was a doctor's house. And so there would be strange goings-on in those days. My sister's new home, says Alana, was an officer's mess. Things are moving. Ooh, we should be grateful, actually. I like that. you better get in contact with Yvette Fielding. She likes that kind of stuff. That's it. everywhere she goes. She finds it. She, you, you could probably sit her in this studio, turn the lights off, and things would move in, her, in here just for her. Because it seems that everywhere they go, they have some sort of um, you know extracur- terrest- extracurricular extraterrestrial sort of experience of things that are ethereal and go bump in the night. And said, "Ooh," and then you go, Ooh, "What was that? What was that? Something moved. Something dropped." You go, "Yeah, it was the cameraman. He just dropped something for you." Because I just don't believe. I just don't believe that all these things happen to them. I think it's absolutely hogwash. Absolute hogwash. It really is. Uh, So apparently the good news is we're all going to live for five years longer. I'm not really sure I want to. You know, sometimes when you climb into bed, you go, I'm so ready for bed. Last night I climbed into bed. Well, literally, my head hits the pillow. I'm gone. I'm gone. I mean, it must be seconds. It doesn't take me very long. I normally wake up once or twice in the night. But that's sort of to do. I was talking to a friend of mine who's listening at the moment, I know he is, and uh, we were talking about diabetes and everything else and he has to go for sort of checks and everything else and uh, he's carrying he's carrying a little bit of weight he knows who he is, and i don't I don't need to tell you who he is because that, that would just be rude and impertinent but um we we were sort of chatting away yesterday, and um he uh he said, "Every time I go into work, I get collared, and people ask me about Steve Allen. You know which, which people do." And uh, and we were talking about um, looking after yourself. Looking after yourself. He says uh, he has he has to knuckle down with it, and he's terrible at doing it. I mean, he's, he's I mean, he, I'm not particularly brilliant, but he's even worse than I am. Uh, cholesterol's low, said surprised me, never above three point four. But do you know what he does? He um he says um, he's been threatened with insulin by the doctor at the hospital. He said, "I don't want that." or he then loses his licence to do the job that he does. And uh, and I said, well, you know, I, I inject three times a day. Uh, he has to get his count down. But, you know, he does... He says to me here, um, he talks about... Wait a minute, we were... We were talk- Sorry, I'm going to find it if it kills me. That's right. He, um, he He started doing water. And he said to me, it's really boring. And I said, yeah, water is really boring, but it's good. He drinks Pepsi Max a day, about... Three litres a day. Three litres. Well, I nearly fell off the settee. So I went, no, it's so bad for you. You know, we've got to keep you alive. Three litres of Pepsi Max a day. And then a little bit further on, he said, um, he said I, I did hear about uh, a girl who drank four to six litres of Diet Coke, died from it in the end. It, 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 it's an addiction. Three litres of Pepsi Max. Now, as far as I know, and I might, I might not get this right, but Pepsi Max is just full of sugar, isn't it? It's just, it's a sugar drink. It's oh, it's supposedly the no sugar one, is it? But it's got stuff in there to compensate. But you mustn't drink three litres. Three litres a day struck me as being, that's really terrible. That's like, I used to have a driver. Do you remember I told you years ago, because a lot of black guys uh, get diabetes. And my driver uh, was a young black guy and he had diabetes. And what did he drink? He was addicted to McDonald's milkshakes. I would never get in the car without him sitting there with a chocolate milkshake. And it was always the biggest one. I say, what are you doing? He said, I just fancied a milkshake, Steve. I said, you're not supposed to be drinking that. I haven't had a, a, a McDonald's milkshake for years, years, years and years and years. You know, it's, and you do, you have to wean yourself off things. If you're a diabetic, you just have to get used. I mean, I was good at not doing the, uh, at the sugar thing. So, you know, I can now drink tea and coffee and anything without sugar. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. Actually, I can actually do it without milk, certain, except the coffee i can do I can do without uh, milk when we went to the Lanesborough on Friday. I had tea there. they do a blend beautiful and I had it without milk and it was lovely. We all agreed it was very much more refreshing, a bit like china tea but uh, to try and wean yourself off things, I know it's a real pain in the rear end, but you have to do it because it's it's just sort of the way it goes actually. <laughs> He is listening. I knew he would be. He's waterlogged at the moment. I won't tell you where he is because that might, that might narrow it down for him. You've got to get off that fizzy stuff, though. It's. I know it's addictive. Believe you me, I know just how bad. He also loves a milkshake. And it's it's so terrible. I know. And, of course, the worst thing is talking about it is, is really bad. So yesterday I bought this Kentucky Fried Chicken for the guys in Paul's shop. And I did have two pieces. They weren't the biggest pieces, but they were eating it like they'd never seen food, which, which surprised me. And, and I, I look at these milkshakes in McDonald's which have got the flurries. Is it the McFlurry? And they've got. All, and you think, oh, that looks really nice. it No, you've got to be strong. If in doubt, take a bottle of water with you. I know it's boring and I know you really, really want a milkshake. <laughs> and I know you really, really want some Pepsi Max. But you have to think about your body after a while. And you have to think to yourself, do I want to be around for a lot longer or just a little bit longer? And the answer is you want to be around for a lot longer. Well, hopefully until the end of this programme, anyway. It's uh, 4.30.
0: Steve Allen on LBC.
1: My friend who I cannot name, the one who's addicted, he said, stop talking about KFC. (laughs) He said, should we talk about tomato soup? You see, because we were talking about tomato soup the other day, and I do like tomato soup. My favourite think and it's I mean it's I'm fairly simple and basic in taste as you can well imagine and and I like things like tomato soup so I can go a bowl of tomato soup just with some grated cheese on the top of it and maybe some French bread if if I'm feeling particularly as if I want to push the boat out of it sometimes I just have the tomato soup and I love it but I wouldn't have it every day because the clue is in the cream of tomato soup so I I would have that maybe once a. Every three months or something. The very idea, that this three litres of this fizzy stuff kind of worries me a little bit. That's a hell of a lot of stuff. It really is. I don't think it matters whether it's zero sugar or zero. It's got other things in it. And whatever it is, it's not good for you. And you also notice that if you eat the wrong food, I, I, if I... I'll, I'll tell you how it affects me. And every diabetic's different because I've had people writing in saying, I'm a diabetic. You seem to be eating different things to the rest of us. I say, well, I'm eating what, what my body seems to work on. If I have a sandwich... ...at Waterloo Station, and they've, they've disappeared with this Wiltshire ham and, and salad thing. It's gone again. What's the matter with them at Marson's? Why can't they keep to the blooming traditions? Anyway, so if I have a salad sandwich uh, with some ham in it from Marston's Spencer's... ...and I eat it on the train going home, reading my, my Metro or being on the phone or whatever it happens to be... ...when I get to Twickenham, I notice and I can feel that I've had something to eat. It might not be very much, but it affects me quite quickly. And if I have something which is the worst I could ever have... A bacon roll with extra bacon, which is, you know, sometimes you feel you need that little boost. But the time I've got to Twickenham, those stairs look slightly daunting, slightly daunting. And you sort of you look at them and you think, oh, God, I've got to get to the top of it. And I know that Brian's going to be there going, hello. (laughs) So that's the way it works. That's the way it works. So we've all got to sort of moderate and do all sorts of things. Anyway, he says we had the French French bread, too, and a knob of. Is it a knob of butter to the soup? Don't tell me you put butter in the soup, please. <laughs> please. Put, why don't you put some creme fraiche in? I know. Listen, I'm beginning to sound like Jamie Oliver, and I don't want to sound like Jamie Oliver. I really don't. But, um, but he, ha- he has admitted no Pepsi Max since yesterday lunchtime. You've got to do that for a week, though. I think what you could do is you could go back and then maybe do it every so often. You can't do it every day. I mean, that's just, that's just madness. And a knob of butter in, in soup... I mean, that's absolutely terrible. little bit of creme fraiche, but not not butter. (laughs) Please, please don't put butter in there. Uh, Johnny B in Sunbury. Morning, Johnny. He says, the Bentley garage is always busy when I pop down there to one of our suppliers next door. I saw you there a while back. I bribed you in my silver van. You were thinking, who the hell is that? He said, I've seen Jimmy White's car there a few times. And uh, great plate. Yeah, they've actually got they've actually got one of one of the dragons from Dragons Den's cars in there, and he's got I think you pronounce it is it a Maybach Maybach or something that whatever it is it's big and it's really lovely. I mean, it really is it really is lovely. So, yeah. and I love it. I love it when when they're busy down there. I like it when when they're busy because um, because it's sort of they they have to sort of. Make sure they get all the all the cars through and they've got loads of things. And of course, it confuses matter when they sell a car, which is the business, because then the car's got to go down to the workshops. They've got to check it up. Uh, All the bits are done on it that need doing. Everything's got to be done. You don't just sort of buy a car and drive it out of the showroom because they've got to do the paperwork. Uh, Daniel says um, LBC should buy the Shard building in London and then rename it the Steve Allen Spike. Do you think that's possible? The trouble with the X Factor is that everyone who seems to get to the live finals all get record contracts. Result? No longer a competition. Yeah, well, I'll well, tell you for a fact, as you, as you probably know, Danny, that the moment you go on to the X Factor, you are signed up immediately. Whether you win or whether you don't get through or they kick you off straight away, they don't, they don't want to miss anybody just in case. So in other words, if, if somebody who's, who's been on the X Factor doesn't get anywhere at all, but then goes and releases a record and saying, I was on the X Factor, they want to make sure that's not going to happen. So they're all signed to Psycho. And so it doesn't make any difference whether you come in, in the final first, second or third. They'll all have records coming out. And they will then gauge after that which one is going to be popular with the public. But there's so many frauds on there, people who claim that they haven't sung before, that most of them are... There's so many semi-professional singers. And that's what I think that the, the British public are feeling a little bit, you know, fed up with, that it isn't a competition anymore. Some of these people are in West End shows. Some of these people are touring. Some of these people are backing singers for really famous people, like Barry Manilow. There's one at the moment, and they try and make, oh, yeah, we're just in a gospel choir. Don't tell lies, because we're not stupid. And you know straight away if they've done things. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. Uh, this is from uh, Paul. He says, your car boot sounds like it has the Generation Game conveyor fitted. Yes. I keep all my car documents with the wallet it came with. Bulky, but I don't lose it. Yeah, I mean, I've, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for today. I'm going to find the blasted thing if it kills me. I wouldn't have thrown it out. I'm not that kind of person. I do not throw things out. I'm, actually, I'm, quite, I'm quite good at not throwing things out. Uh, Ian says, please add me to your figures. I woke up at precisely four o'clock today. Well, we're, actually we got a meeting this week to look at the figures, uh, the last figures because we're in what we call permanent radar uh, which is the, uh, the audience figures. That's where you sit down in a room with everybody in the company, everybody, any, everybody in LBC and all the radio stations do it. They all do it. And you sit down and we have a little speech from uh, who I call God, and uh, then our programme controller stands up, and then they start going through the figures. And because I'm technically the start of the day, they always start with me. So it always starts with Steve Allen, 4 till 6.30, and you hope, you hope beyond hope, that the audience figures are looking impressive. And I have to be brutally honest with you, so far, touch wood for Micah, anything, uh, they look good. So once we've got over that hurdle, I'm fine. I like to get over the. Me and Nick Ferrari always look at each other and nod sagely. We nod sagely because he knows the business, I know the business. And, and we know what we're doing. And so once once we've got over that bit, you know, some people don't do as well as, as other people. But that's, that's the nature of the game. Some people go up, some people go down. We just tend to go up, mainly because there's, there's just nothing Nothing on the radio first thing in the morning. Four till 6.30 was, was considered until I, I took it over. And it used to be five till seven. It was considered one of those areas that you could do a lot with. You could really, you know, and so I wrote yesterday because somebody wrote to me and said that uh, he lives in Liverpool and he says, I suffer from depression. He said, but I listen to you every morning, he said, and it makes me feel a lot better. He said, and for for that moment in time, I can actually forget that I get depressed or if I'm feeling down and we we get a lot of that and so I tweeted that yesterday and I got some really good tweets back from uh, from people Paul Easton came back with some stuff and uh, and a lovely lady who was the one do you remember I told you the story about the lady who came in from America and she goes around radio stations and she she tells the presenters what they're doing wrong and what they're doing right and this was the one who I didn't get to see so I had to go and see her to say listen I haven't nobody's come to me you know, to want to to talk to me about the programme. She said, well, you're doing it all right. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. You're doing a programme, you know, you're not, you don't have to tell fibs about anything, you don't have to elaborate on anything, you just have to sit there and tell the truth. And if you tell the truth, people believe you. And it kind of works big time, let me tell you. It really is, it's good. So anyway, so she was, they were talking about me the other day, but related to something else. And so that's why it's nice. And then somebody else wrote instead, and said, I also get a bit fed up in the early hours of the morning. You know, I'm a widow and lost my husband. And so it's at these hours that people are at their most vulnerable. And these hours where people turn on, they don't want to hear music because music can, it, your mind starts wandering with music. You start thinking, oh, dear, oh, I remember that. Oh, God, I remember that. I found the auctioneer's song, by the way. Leroy Van Dyke. The one that goes... Give me $5, $20, $20, $50, $50, $50. And he does all this kind of bit, which is terribly clever. It's really, it's worth watching. I'd love to learn it. But uh, unfortunately, I don't think I have the ability to learn things like that. Uh, uh Somebody called Turine. You're not really called Turine, are you? Is, that, is that seriously a name? Love listening to you on the phone in hospital after a small operation and the nurses keep telling me to use the headsets or get to bed. This is after she's just woken me up to test the blood pressure. Mum podcasting you now as I've converted her. <laughs> That's what we like to hear. Yes, when I went in for my operation in hospital, they kept waking me up as well. Just with, I'm connected up to the cardiac machine after I'd had my stents and, uh, and they wanted to sort of check I was up, but they won't let you go to sleep. And so you're lying there and you think, I'm going to sleep now. They're coming up, Stephen, Stephen, wake up. They slap you around the face. I said, okay, "Okay, I'm awake. I'm awake. I'm awake." I wasn't really. I just. I was so. Des- I was so desperate to sleep, so desperate to sleep. Uh, Jenny and Mitchum says the strange ways prisoner shot his uncle dead. He must be frozen up there. Good, good. I'm so delighted. He's he's, he's wrecking the prison. He's smashing windows. He's a convicted murderer. Hope he falls off. Couldn't care less. Could not care less. I'm, I'm I really couldn't care less. Makes me harsh, doesn't it? <laughs> but I don't care. Uh, Debbie in Gypsy Hill says. Um, I'm a big fan of you. You're my company in the morning whilst I work out. But it's not good for my workout because at times I have to stop and laugh. (laughs) It's all right. Nothing the matter with that, is there? I sometimes stop and laugh myself. I can't believe it. I listen back to this programme. That's a fib. I've never listened back to a programme in my life. I just said that as a throwaway line. I don't know why I said it. Sometimes my mouth just races away with me and I get myself into all sorts of trouble. But I've, I've never listened to program in all the years i've been doing it and and the reason is that i can't i can't, why would you want to listen back? i do know people that listen back to them so i couldn't why would you want to listen back to something i've done it you know it's like it's like groundhog day i don't want to relive it i don't want to relive it over and over again and uh one see i've got crohn's disease i'm always changing my diet i could eat something for a year then all of a sudden it starts making me ill yeah i know exactly how you feel I was in a grumpy mood yesterday, Steve, says this one after listening to White D talking on Nick Ferrari's programme. God, what a ghastly hot baggage. There's somebody else on his programme today I don't like, but you'll realise that a bit later on. Uh, Egg, bacon, mushroom sandwich, thickly sliced, seedy twist, bootful, says Tony. I mean, it sounds nice. I wouldn't do the uh, the mushroom, not in a sandwich. Crispy bacon I'd do in a sandwich. (laughs) But the bread's bad for you, isn't it? (laughs) Which is not so good. So uh, a lot of people are saying, I was in a grumpy mood, then I listened to your programme. Uh, Steve makes me laugh on The X Factor. Uh, the groups have stopped from singing and see if they've got something else they can sing because the judges don't like it and they say they've got a better song. Makes you wonder why they never did the better song the first time around. I agree with you. I think that's called fiddling. That's called fiddling. You know, you go on there, this is the song you prepared, and they go, oh, have you got something else? Uh, well, as luck would have it, we have. And so they go, oh, that's good. Let's put you through to boot camp. And so it goes on. It's all a bit tedious, isn't it? Really? At the end of the day, you're going to end up with some albums in the... Um, in the charts at Christmas time, every single one of them owned by uh, owned by Simon Cow. Oh a lot of chickens. What a lot of chickens. Oh what a lot of dead chickens. They don't last long, chicken. If honestly, if you were a chicken, you'd be going, What should we do today? Oh look, we're going into a cage. Hello, hello. <laughs> oh look, it's a funfair ride. Uh oh, no it's not. It's quarter to five.
0: Steve Allen on LBC.
1: want to are pretty twelve minutes to five. That was a bit of a move there, wasn't it? Bit of action happening next door as we slide along. Uh, one, uh, Joey says there isn't an auto- one automated radio station in America. There are loads of them, and there are some in the UK. Yes, I mean I I know, I know, I know. We have one, we have one. It's it's. Well, I say it's an automated radio station. There is uh, there's one one person on it, and then it becomes automated. I mean it's terribly clever. You could never do it on a speech station unless you kept repeating things on the speech station. Uh, somebody called Kenny. Uh he says I'm judging you privileged middle class boy never had it difficult in life. Yep, that's absolutely right. That is absolutely spot on. Very privileged, loving parents, uh never had to really worry about anything. It is true working class though, so no, never middle class, only working class. And then he says but you sound a bit miserable. No, no, no. Never miserable. How could you be miserable? I've been doing this job so long now, it's it's the biggest pleasure that you could ever have. Get paid for it. Absolutely fantastic. And, of course, it would wind somebody like you up because, unfortunately, you're talking about yourself. You're the one who's lonely. You're the one who's miserable. You're the one who's probably, you know, not got the... Fr- you're, you're not Prince Andrew, are you, by any chance? You're sounding a bit like Prince Andrew. He's got no friends either. Whereas I've got everything. I mean, you, you cannot have a better job. I mean, this this has to be... I mean, given given the choice of all the jobs in the world, I would think this would be the job that would be the best. You just come in... Everybody likes you. You get cups of tea, cups of coffee. I, if I had a bowl of tomato soup, I would be dipping a cheese sandwich in it now. That would be quite nice <laughs> i've never heard of dipping a chip. Somebody said to me, have you ever heard of dipping a cheese sandwich in tomato soup well i've never heard of that one i do I do like dunking though, but uh, no, never you can never be miserable in this job every single day. You get to meet celebrities you get you get invited out to nice places. Oh God, I mean it just it almost my cup runneth over. Apparently, couldn't Alana try tomato passata and add fresh herbs? It's lovely. No cream, but check out the different makes for sugar content. Oh right, Peter says I think even Simon's dog is signed to Psycho, just in case. Uh, Diet Pepsi is a no-calorie cola soft drink. It's the addictive thing in it that's been known to cause health problems. See, yeah, but he's drinking three litres of Pepsi Max, three litres of Pepsi Max a day, a day. I mean, that seems an extraordinary amount. An extraordinary amount, so we have, we have to get him off that. He knows that he know he knows what what's right uh Barry uh from bootle, I know where Bootle is, you're up uh, Liverpool way, aren't you? and um he says you said you didn't like people eating snacks on the train, ghastly, I know, but the the one thing I hate more is people on their telephone in the quiet carriage. We have a quiet carriage. I've been known on occasions. excuse me, hello, hello, no phone calls, okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, Stephen London says, Your mention of the Auctioneer's song reminded him of the Elements song by Tom Lehrer. It's on YouTube. How he sang the lyrics in Miracle. Well, the Auctioneer's song, I'd love to. You know, when you, you watch somebody doing it, you think, I'd love to learn how to sing that song. $25, $30, who give me $30, who give me $40, $40, $40, $40. T- <laughs> Jerry says, I just had a quick look on YouTube for the Auctioneer's song, and there it was with the lyrics. Amazing. It is an amazing song. Watch him singing it; fantastic. Um, 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 um. Should we start going through the uh, the papers? Johnny and the Night Workers are in uh, Antrim, Antrim, Northern Ireland. Loves LBC. I think so too. I've never been to Ireland. Born on St Patrick's Day, never been to Ireland. What's, what's wrong with life? What is happening in life, ladies and gentlemen? Well, I can tell you this morning that uh, it's all the Tory attack on the workers and it's uh, Jezza's war cabinet. More women, but furious they miss the top jobs. Controversial pal given the shadow chancellor role. And so you, you look through... It's very interesting because they they, they all seem to have done double standards. They've all doubled back on what they've said originally. When when you look at all the different... I mean, some of them are no experience whatsoever. No experience whatsoever. I mean, Diane Abbott is the first black female MP. One of Corbyn's main champions replaces Emma Reynolds. uh, Years as an MP, 28, front bench three... And so they're all in there. Meanwhile, David Cameron is off in the Syrian refugee camps. And as somebody said the other day, uh, you need to be very careful. They reckon hiding in the camps are 20,000 jihadis, 20,000 potential murderers. So we've got to be so, so, these people have got to be checked and double-checked. No good just saying, in you come. We said this the other day, it's just absolutely ludicrous to say, just sort of wander in there, because that's going to be the open-door policy. Germany's already put up the blocks, and they've said, right, enough is enough. Uh, Never a day goes by without without the attention-seeking Beckhams in the paper. Today is no different, because uh, Harper Beckham has driven a dagger through the heart of her fashion designer mum, she prefers to play football. Uh, Vic said her tomboy daughter four loves putting on makeup and playing with my shoes. But she said to me the other day, "Mummy, I think I want to play football." Oh, it's marvellous, isn't it? She has the gift of articulation at the age of four. Uh, the mum of four, she's forty-one now, told American TV show, uh, "I have three boys who play football. Come on, let one of them want to be in fashion. I don't think they play foot. When was the last time they all played football? When was that? They all played. When? When was that, dear?" I think you're living in a fantasy world. We've never seen any pictures and you release pictures every single day for the uh, for the family archive. I mean, good god, we've now got Brooklyn because he's got a girlfriend, bit of a surprise, you know, at 16 and them telling us about it and all. And uh, I've never seen him playing football. You ever seen him playing football? Me neither. Ever seen any of the other two playing football? No. And Harper Beckham I said you've got to drag her into it. I mean, talk about exploitative, good god. Uh you won't enjoy living longer. I don't know. It depends where you are, doesn't it? really depends how much money you've got. Uh, the good news is you are going to live five years younger. How poor you are is the key driver of differences. So that's it, because they say that people don't have enough money to go into their old age. So, in other words, just start saving more. That's all you have to do. Start saving more, and then, you know, you might have to diversify. Might have to diversify. There's all, you know, there's all sorts of different things you can do. Might have to downsize. I mean, we discovered the other day that Yuri Geller is selling his house over here for five million. He's moved to Israel. And uh, lots of other people have downsized. There's a lovely feature in one of the papers today on people who own famous houses. And Engelbert Humperdinck, I was having dinner with some years ago, claimed to And, uh, in fact, it was really odd. I'll tell you what it came about. I was working over in Vienna. And uh, Engelbert Humperdinck came over to, uh, to do a concert in the... I think it was in the Stadthalle. But anyway, uh, either way, whatever it was um, he did his concert there, and then afterwards he wanted to go, uh, <coughs> uh, oh, sorry, um, be another one. <coughs> it's hilarious, isn't it? Hilarious, honestly. Only I could sneeze on the radio and make it into a feature. And, um, and so he wanted to go to a Heuriger to have some dinner after the show, and I got sat next to him. I don't, I mean, I don't know how it happened either. And so, and over in, um, in Austria, and throughout Europe, he's known as Engelbert because Engelbert Humperdinck is a composer and he can't use the name. So he's Engelbert. His real name is Jerry Dorsey, but that's neither here nor there. And so we were sitting having dinner and, and he was sort of saying he has a house in uh, in America. A beautiful one owned by Jane Mansfield. It was called the Pink Palace. And Cher's got it now, I think. Cher's got the Pink Palace. Uh, the original one was knocked down, and I think another one put up in 1932, which was very, very interesting. And so we were talking about that, and he said it's huge inside, and, uh, and it's lovely. And he obviously enjoyed his money. He obviously enjoys his money. I was the only person who liked his song when he nearly represented us for Eurovision. You know, uh, I know he did represent, but he didn't get anywhere. Everybody hated the song, but I thought it was great. But then I like, what did you do at school today? It's what did he... Tea- I like that one. Everybody else hated it. I'm the only one who likes these things. I'm out on a limb. You watch, by the end of this programme, I'll be the only one liking the auctioneer's song. Ha, ha, ha. And Dee says, signing in till I go to work at 5.15. Never mind about X Factor. I can't wait for Strictly's Peter Andre. He'll be so good. Oh, God, no, he'll be awful. You know he's going to be awful. He's going to be cheesy and naff. And, you know, he's 41. He behaved like a three-year-old. Ghastly. Has he actually appeared on the programme yet, or is he still doing hair and make He might still be doing hair and make-up. Uh, Killer on jail roof. I'll stay here for 40 days and 40 nights. Good. Well, stay up there then, dear. Nobody cares about you, you waste of space. He was jailed for life, three years. He shot dead his uncle with a sawn-off shotgun. Uh, He tried to escape from a softer jail, so they've stuck him in strange ways. And, um... He began his rooftop protest after complaining to family about conditions. Oh, diddums. Oh, diddum, diddum, diddums! You, awful conditions for you. Good, good. Well, hurry up and fall off the roof and do us all a favour. And perhaps we can, we can forget about idiots like you. Ridiculous. Dane Bowers. Nasty little piece of work. I thought he was going to be convicted on this one. Um, he was found guilty of assaulting his ex-fiancée. Uh, she was left bruised and bloodied after an argument. He came home with glitter on his face. Um, he yesterday claimed he accidentally hit her on the nose in self-defence during a scuffle but uh, the judge didn't believe, quite clearly didn't believe a word of him and um, he said the whole glitter thing came up I grabbed her by the arms and moved her out of the room and shut the door because she was poking me yeah you look as though you do things like that judge didn't believe him on that one either consequently um, he's, um, he's still he split up with the model in last November but was still living with her at his parents home Oh dear, obviously made no money at all. I mean, really, your career's gone nowhere, has it? You've completely screwed it up. How to be a thicko at the age of whatever he is now? It's just absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, um, after a series of angry text messages, uh, Boas wrote, You've got a slap, or Bowers, uh, because I told you, you've got a slap because you hit me. Oh dear. Anyway, good, good face going to prison. I think probably unlikely. But uh, they're not ruling out a prison sentence. What a fool. What an ace fool. Really, really ridiculous. Did you keep your comics? Did you keep your comics? You should have kept it. Because the first edition of The Beano, one of only 25 still left, sold for... Actually, I thought it was quite cheap for one of only 25 left. 17300 Uh Number one was published in 1938, July the 30th. And that's how much it went for. So, in other words, those comics that your kids are reading, if they're very early then you have to make sure that you look out for them. Coming up to the news at five o'clock on LBC the of star Nightmare she's got a stalker who's sleeping outside to spy on her oh god, did you know that 2,000 dogs a year are bred specifically for medical testing I thought we'd finish doing it I had no idea we're still using animals Uh, the TV girl in the 9-11 blunder oops, that was a bit of a mistake Louis Walsh says X Factor is dreary without him, it so is Prince Andrew's got some new friends He is the original Billy No-Mates, isn't he? Who does Andrew go out with? Nobody. Does anybody like him? No. Sean Connery at 85, and he's looking a little bit frail. I'll tell you the UK's most dangerous roads. And uh, Taylor Swift, sued by a DJ who was fired over groping claims. It's LBC.
0: This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet... At LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, the 15th of September. Come on, get the toaster out. Put the toast in there. Ooh, push it down. Get the butter out of the fridge. Rock hard. It's going to be a nightmare, isn't it? Peanut butter. Got that? jam, some preserves. Something like that. Marmalade. Lime marmalade. That'll get you going for breakfast. Get the bacon out and the eggs and all the rest of it and then settle back and listen to uh, the remainder of this programme, which runs through till 6.30. Uh, Dane Bowers facing jail, convicted of an assault. The judge didn't believe him at all. Sean Connery at 85. Ringo Starr is going to be auctioning Beatles memorabilia. They reckon it's worth about six and a half million quid. And uh, the Dogs sold for medical testing. It's Beagles again. And Labour chaos as Jez unveils the front bench. All of that and your texts and emails on uh, 84850steve at lbc.co.uk. There's also stories in the papers today about the global warming and how we've got the end of a, a tsunami kind of effect, which is going to be happening in this country and um, also here's a picture of Rennie Zellweger. I don't know why they would have her out in the town with a photographer. It seems to be the latest thing. Otherwise, I mean, you wouldn't just sort of go, oh, look, Rennie Zellweger would take a picture. And she's giving uh, a donation to a homeless man. She'd been on her phone in London ahead of filming the third Bridget Jones movie, and uh, and the homeless man, who looks very well scrubbed, is holding a notice up saying, could you please help me raise £17 for a hostel? Thank you. You think, well, why don't you get a job? What's the the point of sitting on your bottom on a a pavement, you know, just holding up a sign, a bit plaintive, so I can have £17 for a hostel? Why don't you go and get a job? You know, like the rest of us. God, blimey. Uh, Taylor Swift is being sued by a radio DJ in America after he allegedly lifted her skirt and grabbed her bottom. The very idea, ladies and gentlemen. David Mueller denies claims he groped the star while he and his girlfriend posed for a picture with her backstage. Oh, you don't think it was one of those you sort of like Jerry Halliwell did her sort of naff things. Uh, He says the allegation is nonsense and uh, court papers uh, for his lawsuit claim that the photograph showing Miss Swift's skirt is in place and is not being lifted by Mr. Yeah, but you get loads of pictures, don't you? You just have to lift it. And Mind you, I think if he did do it, it's a little bit rude. Uh, he was fired after the incident, so he's suing her for the loss of his £97,000 a year earnings at the KYGO radio station in Denver, Colorado, where it's a beautiful and a balmy 23 degrees. That's what they like over there. The singer-spokesman said the radio station was given evidence immediately after the incident. They made their independent decision. I don't think you do things like that, do you? That's a little bit Rude. Little bit rude. Left Oregon, says Bruce, and now in California on our road trip. Visited San Francisco today. Not as good as London. Make sure we're included in your figures whilst we are in America because we do miss you. Don't worry, you're included. You are included. 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk and um, and Glenn, uh, he's in Leeds, poor soul but somebody's got to be at this time of the morning and uh, I've no- I have I been to Leeds actually I've just realised I have been to Leeds because a friend of mine used to work for a, uh, a radio station up there and uh, sadly he got a brain tumour and he died quite uh, quite suddenly but we had his last meal up there and uh, lovely man, lovely man and uh, he says I often get strange looks from colleagues from walking around with a smile on my face listening to your show at such an ungodly hour well if you're work- working, why is it ungodly? I don't think it's ungodly. I think this is quite normal London being a 24-hour city. It's uh it's great. I think there's always people working out there, people driving, you know, policemen working, there's people cleaning the streets, people finishing up in the kebab shops and things like that. Oh god yeah, this we're, we're there's no such thing as sort of, you know, there isn't a day where you drive out of here and there's no traffic or there's no nothing at all. It's always always busy. Uh Steve it was Tyrone and um Haha! Ha, screen too small for my typing on the phone in hospital. You never sound miserable to us. I've never been miserable in my life. I don't do miserable. I really, I've, I, I don't think it's physically possible. It's like I don't do headaches. I don't do headaches, and I don't do miserable. I really don't do miserable. I've never done miserable. I've never been, I've never been like that. I think the only time was when I first came up to London, donkeys years ago, and I remember sort of looking out the window of the flat I was sharing with three other people, and uh, we all got on really, really well. But I was the only one who didn't have a job. And London can be pretty miserable if you don't have a job or have any money. And I, I didn't have either. I told you I went actually originally for a job because the girls said, listen, you, you've got to get a job. So I said, yeah, OK. Because what I was doing, they, they were getting up, going off to their ballet and whatever they were doing at Arts Educational. And uh, I was waking up in the morning and then just going back to bed again because there was nothing to do. And it was easy to fall into the trap, as you probably know some of you listening, where if you're not working, you think, what's the point of getting up today? I haven't got a job to go to, so I didn't do it anyway. They sort of said, you've got to go and, go and get a job. So I went to apply for a job at Paddington Railway Station as a ticket clerk. As a ticket clerk. I couldn't even get that. I couldn't even get that. They sat there and they gave you all these things. I thought, it's just a ticket clerk, and I couldn't even get a ticket clerk's job. And anyway, I was quite grateful because I didn't want to be a ticket clerk anyway. And to cut a long story short, I managed to get a, a gig in a in a club. And the rest, as they say, was history. I had one gig a week. Then I got two gigs a week. Then I got three. and Before I knew where it was happening, it was four gigs a week. The one thing I wasn't doing, though, was paying tax because I was paid cash. And I was, uh, I, was, uh, I was one of those people. I thought, you know, perhaps they won't know about me. Well, of course, they do know about you. And no matter how many years you go without paying, at some point, you're going to do something and they're going to go, gotcha. And in my particular case, the taxman had kept uh, writing. And of course, you know, we kept throwing the letters away until eventually uh, he found me in one particular place because obviously I would had to put my name and address down for one of the clubs I was working at. And I opened it, bearing in mind I was earning something like £9 a night. This is a long time ago, a long time ago. And uh, I think I'd reached the dizzy heights of £20 a night. And I opened up this letter and it said... This is how much you owe the tax man. And he wanted £3,500 tax. Because they'd guesstimated, as they do with a lot of people, how much money they thought I'd earned. And, you know, and this was what they based it on. So three and a half that well, I'd never even seen £3,500. But luckily, I had a very, very good friend whose, uh, whose other half was an accountant. And so gave him that. And do you know what he got it down to? He got down £3,500... On tack. This is so many years ago. £99 payable in three instalments. £33 a time. I was so grateful I could have kissed the ground he walked on. It was just because £3,500 hanging over your head when you don't have £3,500. It's like many of you this morning, you will get a bill in the post. And you'll look at it and go, well, that'll wait till the end of the month, which is what I used to do. I used to have to sort of think to myself, right, I'll put that to one side. That'll be the... I'll have to... I have to pay that bill. I've got to pay that bill. That one may be not so urgent. And then I learnt little tricks like putting the wrong cheque in the wrong thing. So I would send the cheque for the electricity to the gas board and then the gas board's one to the electricity company and it would give me a bit more grace because they would then write back and go, you've put the wrong cheque in the wrong envelope. I used to go, oh, really? How unusual. (laughs) Anything to stall, because I didn't have any money. I literally had no money. I was living on, um, you know, air. Air. Nothing to live on at all. It was absolutely ghastly. The cupboard was bare in the flat. We just didn't have food. You know, I mean, my idea of a meal out was a bag of chips. That was as good as it got. So, um, you know, things changed a little bit since then. But that's why when somebody says miserable, never miserable. God, no. (laughs) Well, write a book about my life. Not a very big book, but you could certainly write a book. So the Bentley that Keith Richards used for drug-fuel trips in the 60s and 70s has been sold. It's um, an S3 Continental Flying Spur. Uh, he bought it new in 1965 when he was 22. And uh, pretty flash it was, too. It had a secret compartment for illegal substances. It was used for many an acid-fuel trip. Hope to God he wasn't driving it. But uh, the car was auctioned by Bonhams at the Goodwood Revival Weekend. I cannot believe the amount of money this car made. I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, is it because of its provenance or because it's a particularly highly collectible car? How much do you think it went for? It actually went in the end for seven hundred and sixty-three thousand one hundred pounds. Seven hundred. You could go out and buy like four brand new Bentleys nowadays easily, and still get change. Seven hundred and sixty-three thousand one hundred pounds. Somebody's—I mean, either somebody's bought it to go into a collection, uh, or somebody's bought it to drive. And I don't—I don't know really which I think is better for something like that. You know, going into a collection, or because you're not going to drive it. It's seven hundred and sixty-three thousand pounds. You're not going to drive that around, are you? Are you? Too sure? Not too sure. Watched a great program on the telly the other day, and it was about vets. It was a particular vet, and I didn't get to the end of the story about a cat that had a, a tumour on its leg, and he, he tried to repair it, and it had been hit by a car, I think. And uh, it was in a terrible state. Anyway, he, sort of, he got it back to health, but he said to the couple, listen, the leg's going to have to come off. He said it so matter-of-factly, I felt a bit awful about the whole thing. But uh, Mary Berry is going to make um, a star of herself in America at the age of 80. She's going to do the American version of the Great British Bake Off. Do they do baking in America? I don't know if they do baking in America. But I thought it was always something sort of traditionally us. Traditionally us. We do baking. The Americans don't do baking. Because it's all there. You just go out and buy stuff, don't you? Uh, anyway, Labour chaos in the papers day as Jezza unveils the front bench. And um, they say here it's just his second day in the job as he carried out uh, a disastrous front bench reshuffle. He struggled to fill key shadow cabinet roles as an exodus of moderate MPs continued, and after desperate one a m phone calls, huge policy spins also began to emerge between him and his new top team so uh, that's the way that it's working and so they've literally done a done a list of all the uh, the things that he's done and uh, and the people who they think they just don't have enough experience. But uh, there again, this is only a shadow cabinet. It's not really going to make any difference to anything at all. I suppose that Diane Abbott will continue, you know, going on and doing all her bits and pieces. But she's never going to amount to very much there at all. Uh, and Dean in uh, in Cyprus says making some chocolate eclairs. Do you want one? He's in Cyprus. What do you rate? Should we get a couple of chocolate eclairs? A couple of chocolate. I tell you what, I like the chocolate eclair that came out a short while ago. But it was toffee on the top. It was a toffee sort of. Icing sugar, chocolate eclairs. Actually, if they're really ice cold, you remember they used to do an advert on the television. Real cream cakes, as opposed to confectionery cream, they were delicious, absolutely delicious. Piped cream into them. <sighs> I tell you what, I do like as well a Chelsea bun. We used to love a chip. We used to have those at school, and you could um, you could unravel them. They were they were a bit exciting. Listen, uh, short break. Then we'll tell you about uh, Mr. Putin. He's called Elton John. This meeting might happen. News time, five fifteen. <laughs> Morning, everybody. 5.20. Ridiculous time, isn't it? For goodness sake. Uh, Does it matter, this is what Nick will be talking about this morning, that Labour's new shadow cabinet has little experience in the posts they've been handed? Should the UK really be hosting one of the world's largest arm fairs this week? And do 13-year-olds need to be taught about human rights in schools? Nick and the team at seven. That's after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Looking at the papers, Gideon Spanier, chairman of the Broadcasting Press Guild. Uh, Elliot's listening at home this morning. He would normally be in this building, but uh, he's at home, up very early this morning. Probably just going to bed. And uh, I love going through people's photos on Twitter. I'm terribly bad at doing that. I'm I'm always fascinated by my people's photos. I don't know. Some of the oddest pictures appear on, uh, and especially on your thing, Elliot. You can always tell somebody's a football fan when the first six pictures are all to do with football. Mine, of course, have nothing to do with things like that at all. Mine are quite dreary, my photos. I take pictures of hanging baskets. What's happening in my life? It's not going well, is it? Um, from Craig, he says, Was your friend you lost in Leeds, Mike Hurley? No, it was a guy called Peter Tate. I'd worked with Peter Tate for uh, for some years. In fact, for, for many years at UBN. And uh, then he'd gone up. He'd worked on various radio stations. But he went over to America with a, a mutual friend uh, to stay with him, just for a little bit of a break. And... Um, he was he was behaving slightly strangely, and anyway, this uh, this other friend of mine got up one morning, only to discover that Peter had disappeared. He he obviously knew that he was he was quite seriously ill, and he'd gone back to the airport and he'd flown back to this country and he had a brain tumour. And uh, they they tried to do things, but it was it was too far advanced. And we went up to Leeds to uh, to go and have dinner with him and his girlfriend. And he was in a very sorry state. Really, normally the life and soul of the party, but he was a completely different person. It was, it was terribly traumatic, and then he died a short while after that. But uh, you just have to accept it, don't you? I mean, having told you the story on the front page of the papers, that people are going to live for five years longer, you think, we don't have cures for so many things, do we? We don't have cures for, for, for tumours. You know, we can find them. We don't check each other. We don't want well, to say check each other. I mean, that would be an interesting world, wouldn't it? But we don't, we don't nobody bothers about it. I mean, how many times do you put your hands up? Well, in fact, if you can. And, um, and you sort of say to yourself, you know, should I check this? Women are very good at checking themselves. Women are very good at doing it. Men are rubbish. Absolute rubbish. You're supposed to check yourself all the time for all sorts of things. But you don't. And it's such a simple thing to do. It's like women who take their husbands to the doctors and they sit there and the wife goes to the husband, go on, tell them. Because men don't do it. They don't like to complain about it. My father was exactly the same. He wouldn't have gone to the doctor to complain about anything. He'd just go, oh, I'll take a paracetamol and it'll go away. I have said, what did I say to a friend of mine the other day? A friend of mine had said, oh, I've got this. I said, go to the doctors, for goodness sake. Honestly, it's not difficult, is it? You just go and make an appointment, somebody can see you, and then they can sort of allay your fears, if you've got any fears about any medical things. But if you, if you if you do worry about something, then go to the doctor. I live in my doctors. Although, actually, to be honest with you, I haven't actually been for quite a while. I think I've missed a blood test. But I'm sure they'll catch up with me very, very shortly. Uh, the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, has apparently agreed to meet Elton John. This is over the, the gay rights issue. Uh, so Elton... 68, and still with a dead hamster on his head, had accused Putin of saying stupid things because the president warned gay people travelling to last year's Winter Olympics uh, to leave the children in peace. But yesterday, Elton revealed Putin had called him. The singer wrote on Instagram, thank you to President Vladimir Putin for reaching out and speaking to me via telephone with me today. I look forward to meeting with you face to face. Wow. Wow. Of course, Putin doesn't speak a word of English, so there's going to be a translator there, isn't there? So that's how it is. Oh, I have the president of Russia for you, Vladimir Putin. Uh, He says he'd like to meet you. (laughs) That's a kind of worrying start, isn't it? But that's good, isn't it? Funny thing, I got that completely wrong, because I said the other day, I said I don't think Putin will want to meet him, but because he's a fan of Elton John, I think he'd, he'd, he'd like to do it. He'd like to do it. Dan in Worthing. Says, so I'm pleased to say I can listen to you once again on my commute to work, having been off work since February with a broken leg. Oh, dear. Do you know, I always wanted a broken leg. Do you know, and you know why that sounds really odd? And not because I wanted the broken leg. I wanted the plaster cast. I wanted to be able to go into school and so people could sign your leg. And also, you got sympathy travelling on the bus. I've suddenly realised with age comes sympathy on the bus. You know, somebody got up the other day and said, would you like my seat? Seriously? I said, don't be silly. I'm 27. Why do people do that to you? Would you like my seat? Definitely not. Um, uh, Ali Ross on TV, always good, always good. He's talking about so many things today that I can't go into any of them at all, including Bobby Davro. But the story about the dogs is really odd because I thought we'd cease testing. I um, know a hospital in London, uh, well, actually just outside London, where they used to have a huge animal testing laboratory. And they used to have rabbits and monkeys in there. And I can remember... When, you know, things were sort of really came to a head and people were being attacked and cars were daubed with paint and everything else for people testing. And the the these uh, animals were being used in there. I thought for cosmetics. Some people said, oh, no, it's for, it's for medicine. And if it's for medicine, I'm afraid I have to kind of push my feelings to the back and go, listen, if if there is a drug that can save somebody or it can alleviate their pain and their suffering, then... Um, then I have to go with with the suffering of an animal. I know it sounds awful to do, but we wouldn't have half this stuff if it wasn't for these animals. I mean, basically laying down their lives. And inside, today, a secretive farm, uh, beagles are bred to die. They're there for medical purposes. And they're lovely. They're absolutely adorable. But I have to close my eyes on that one, because I think to myself, I mean, well, A, I thought that we had finished with stuff like this. I didn't realise that we were still testing. And these dogs are trained for life in a laboratory. And they argue the fact and say this is an honourable thing for the dog to do. I don't think the dog will be thinking that. I don't think the dog will be thinking that. But they've asked various people, you know, what they actually think about it. And they've got people who are, uh, you know, uh, not in favour. Vanessa May says it's cruel, outdated and unreliable. Uh, four is a guy called Clive Page and he says, no one is saying it's a perfect model but it's the best we have today, it's a big decision to find a new drug and to be confident to put it into a human, the reason I can be confident is because we've relied on animal experiments, if dog experiments were stopped without a viable alternative, you'd stop new medicine being developed, but you know, as I say, if you're really, really an animal lover and you go, they shouldn't be, they don't know what they're doing, they've got no idea, they're just bred and they think somebody loves them And then they sort of put them in and they develop tumours and they do all sorts of things. And it's horrendous. It's horrendous. You know, we all saw that, I think it was the beagles that were smoking to learn about the effects of smoking. You don't have to, you know, make a dog smoke a cigarette to realise the effects of smoking are dead people. You know, you're not going to sort of make a cigarette that's safe, are you? You're going to die through smoking. Uh, the other story, which, uh, which always guaranteed to get people going, this is uh, the man branded Britain's fattest scrounger, has got a job cleaning a Chinese takeaway. Benefits claimant Stephen Beer caused outrage in January by bragging about marrying sixth wife Michelle, both a pair of lookers, I want that on record, um, in a £3,000 taxpayer-funded bash. He's a dad of six, he's not had a job for four years due to obesity, diabetes and high blood pressure. Lazy little fat slob. Honestly, you could do anything. What is, what is it? This? I can't work because of diabetes. I'm working. I've got diabetes. You know, uh, I don't have, you know, obesity. and I haven't got high, high blood pressure. But he could certainly do something. So he shed a load of weight and all he's managed to do is cleaning. Useless so-and-so, drives me mad. I get so cross with things like that. I think to myself, he's not worked for so many years and yet he's got all these children. Well, that must exert some sort of energy, I would have thought. Maybe not in his case. Here's the telepresenter. You've got to feel a little bit sorry for her. She's being investigated after she made a highly insensitive joke about 9-11 on a gaming show. Emma Lee opened Jackpot 24-7 by telling viewers thank you for coming in for an emergency landing after the movie United 93 was screened. Viewers were outraged. I'm surprised, actually, on that programme, because it is for gamblers. They were outraged when she laughed at the gag in the early hours uh, of Sunday morning before adding, brace yourselves, it's going to be good. We hope you enjoyed the movie there on ITV. It's time for you all to sit tight. Um to be honest with you, I mean, she shouldn't have made the gag. It was highly insensitive. Perhaps she didn't know it was real. Perhaps she thought it was sort of just, just a made-up film. Uh, her husband, is TV presenter, Tim Dixon, said uh, she couldn't comment due to an internal investigation, but claimed she was told to back-reference an aeroplane movie and was not aware it was United 93. Exactly. So, obviously somebody didn't tell her, this is this is, this is the fact. Uh, and then, of course, people start writing, going, oh, this is absolutely disgraceful, and all the rest of it. So, she's, she's coming for a bit of stick, poor soul. And, um... Jackpot 24-7 confirmed an investigation um, is underway and they said they'd like to apologise. But if she wasn't given the information, how's she supposed to know? She's sitting there in a studio, probably based in Teddington, I think, or something like that. And they say, oh, it was an aeroplane movie. Why don't you just back announce it by saying, you know, that was uh, the aeroplane thing and we're coming into land. She didn't know it was. She had no idea. I mean, that, that's what you call a genuine mistake. If something's a genuine mistake or a joke, I mean, you can't joke about that, I agree. But if somebody said something and they then explain it, you did know that was a joke, didn't you? Because some people don't hear properly and, uh, and they get a little bit confused by things. But in her case, I think she's, uh, she's probably OK because nobody told her what the blooming movie was. It's uh, 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, well, a really sad story in the paper today. I mean, uh, most days bring us sad stories. This one's terrible. This is uh, a British man. Uh, he was trying to stop his teenage pal committing suicide. Thomas Bennett, 24, was coaxing the 19 year old from a ledge uh, when the glass panel that they were clinging to shattered. And both men fell. And it was Thomas Bennett, the one who was trying to save his pal from committing suicide, who died. Uh, The other one, who's not been named, is recovering from two broken legs, a broken arm, collapsed lung, a partially broken back and internal bleeding. They were at uh, a party Um, at around 2am. It's uh, dreadful. The word hero, said his mum in Plymouth, uh, Leslie, yesterday, is banded around too free. What my son did was heroic. I hope that young man will put his second chance at life to good use and in time pay for the caring and kindness that Tommy gave to him so my son will not have died in vain. Friend Ted Gilleroy, who has hosted the party, said he's a hero. Isn't that dreadful? You go up there and you try and do something and, uh, and then something like that happens. That's, that's so sad. There's also a Thai restaurant. This is one in, uh, where is it? Oh, it's in Liverpool. Sorry, Liverpool. We mentioned you twice in a programme. This is a Thai restaurant. They're under fire. They made a blind girl leave because she had a guide dog with her. Now, you know that there are strict rules on this. You cannot discriminate against people with a guide dog. The 19-year-old ended up in tears on the visit with a friend and her two-year-old Labrador, Leo. I mean, to be honest with you, um, I think tears is a bit too strong. People burst into tears at the drop of a hat now. Yesterday, the Yi Ra restaurant in Liverpool, was attacked on social media. One customer wrote, I won't go there again. But uh, staff said pets were not allowed, despite Leo wearing a sign saying he was a guide dog. I got on the bus the other day in Twickenham, and there's a woman there, and her guide dog has got a thing on. I'm a guide dog. Like, you have to explain to somebody. It's a guide dog. The restaurant said the member of staff would be dealt with. I shall blimey well think so, too. And you invite her back, and you give her the biggest banquet of her life. Because otherwise, these things spread like wildfire. And before you know where you are, you know, you've got no customers at all. So uh, offer her back and give her the big meal and just say, listen, for a week you can have free food and everything. For you, your friends, your family, Steve Allen, uh, you know, Will, everybody. We all want a bit of free Thai f- I love Thai food. Uh, morning from uh, Vienna. Paul Hollingdale, our correspondent in Vienna. Says you may remember back in early July, before the refugee crisis developed into the state it is now, I mentioned there was already talk of the is it the Schengen agreement that introduced the borderless zones throughout the EU countries should be suspended. Well, here in Austria, the borders are now being sealed. Yesterday, the Interior Ministry in Vienna announced that two and a half thousand troops would do. would be deployed along the border linking Hungary to stop the flow of migrants travelling through the country hoping to reach Germany so far around 40,000 of them have been processed through but now action is being taken last weekend I drove over to Bratislava for the weekend for the weekly shop in Tesco and M&S and the border guards were out Passports are being checked. Indeed, the border checkpoints are being manned and we can expect long delays when entering or leaving the country. You can travel by train subject to having uh, documents with you. Uh, And of course, you can still fly in and out of Vienna as passport controls are in place. Other countries uh, in several EU countries are introducing similar measures. So the EU president, Jean-Claude, and his dream of a utopian single state is fading fast there you go. So now you know what's going on in uh, in Austria at the moment. It is a terrible situation, isn't it? It really is terrible. And um, another one here. This is uh, Ian. He said, I've just seen this on, on my Twitter. If you're getting married, get to our heart wedding show this weekend at the Brentwood Centre. Ten to four. Saturday and Sunday, hosted by Lydia Rose Bright. That's Lydia Dim. That's Lydia Diem, yes. That's the badly dressed one, caked in makeup. That's Argy's girlfriend. Hilarious, hilarious. It's a shame I'm not going down there, but we have the uh, the rugby opener. Very excited. I won't be going to that either, to be honest with you. It'll be full of loads of. I think Prince Harry's going to turn up, but there again, he's not really working, so he might as well do something. Um, let off. This is boob job scrounger Josie Cunningham. I mean, good God, I didn't even know she was still around. I mean, there is a woman who abuses the word unattractive. Uh, also, the X Factor, very dreary, says Louis Walsh, without me and O'Leary. O'Leary turned up on a show the other day, some sort of game show. as the best he can get, I suppose, really. But Louis Walsh is absolute right. Absolutely right. He's the person who they should bring back immediately. I mean, he would chip in. It didn't matter whether what he was saying was of any interest. He knew what he was talking about. If he didn't like what he was saying, kind of tough. But he's the most experienced person next to Simon. They've known each other for years. Simon's idea of revamp, what they should do... They should get rid of old Cheryl Spagbol. She's got to go. She's got to go. She is is not fit for purpose on that programme. She doesn't know anything about the music business. She just, somebody gives her a song, she goes, fate, 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 and shut up. Just shut up. Just go away. They should get rid of her, and they should get rid of, um, I think, Rita Ora. I mean, sorry, anybody with a plastic hedge, ladies and gentlemen, outside the house, they've got to go. I'm sorry. That's just taking a joke too far, isn't it? apart from the car I'm driving at the moment, uh, and and grimmy has got to go. He just doesn't... There's nothing there. It's not happening. This is not a programme where you just sit there staring vacantly into the headlights, hoping the car's going to run you over. You've got to contribute. You've got to jump in. You've got to make your mark. You've got to be acerbic, and that's what Louis Walsh did. All right, so we laughed. We laughed at him, but it didn't matter. They should put him back on, and Mel B, and I oh, think Gary Barlow. I mean, he, he turned out... He knew what he was talking about. You know the other ones when you fa 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 faff, from old Spagball. I mean, really analyze it and it's just the ramblings of a deluded woman who looks like a skeleton. It's just appalling. It's it's got to do better. And that's oh God, not Bruno Tonioli. Uh, he's just a little bit too over the top, Bruno. I'm afraid a little bit too mm, sorry, a little bit too camp. You know there is camp and then there is Bruno Tonioli and that other ghastly one as well, who was from the Pineapple Dance Studio. You go, and here's Louis Spence, and your heart drops, doesn't it? You go, oh, not Louis Spence, please. Anybody but Louis Spence. Uh, also, Simon Cowell has no chance of winning the X Factor. Bookies are, are tipping the younger performers to storm the show. I don't really care, actually. I am really, I could care less, you know, as if I was watching Bing Tone or failing that, the test card. That'd be fine, that'd be fine. Jasper Carrot's a bit angry. I like Jasper Carrot. I always used to like Jasper Carrot. He was uh, he always used to tell the story. He had a hit record in the charts years ago. And the 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 song was Funky Moped. But nobody was playing Funky Moped. They were all playing the B-side of the record which was Magic Roundabout. And even I was playing it in discos. People would stop and listen to Magic Roundabout. But it was sold on Funky Moped when a moment Moped out on the road. I'm gonna ride, ride, ride. But on the other side, it was far more energetic with um, with uh, the tale of the Magic Roundabout. And there was a he got booked to play the some swing pool somewhere on a Saturday night. They used to cover it over. And they used to have discos there, and they would go through the charts. And if there was a record that was shooting up the charts, they would uh, they would book that artist. So they they got a phone call, and uh, Jasper's agent phoned him and said, "Oi, carrot, we got a booking. It's at Scumthorpe Baths or something like that." He said, "Scumthorpe Baths, what's that?" He said, "I don't know." He said, but "Anyway, they booked it, and they got you know they were offered this fee, which could have been I don't know three five hundred pounds, whatever it was. Anyway, they didn't actually have any songs. They just had Funky Moped." And so, so he turns up with his guitar because he's a comedian. And uh, unlike Billy Connolly, who was a, a singer before and then sort of wove all the other stuff in, that, that Carrot was the, uh, was, was the comedian. And so he gets up there and they've only got this one. So they do Funky Moped, which is the song they were famous for. He said, and all the kids are standing there. He said, and then we go into Hava Gila." You know, he said, and by the time we'd done that four times, he said, I thought maybe we'd kind of outstayed our welcome. He says, well, thank you very much indeed. Good night. He said, we ran off stage and the manager went, Garrett, I've got the money, I've got the money. He said, we've never booked again for it. And now he's complaining because he reckons that the TV networks are not brave enough to have him back on air. He's 70, 70. I don't know whether it's brave enough because he was never what I call cutting edge. He was he was never, you know, that that sort of person. I think really he was uh, he was just a comic, very good comic. And I loved him in that. What was that program called? Was it Golden Balls? Or something like that. Very good quiz show. Really, really good quiz show. And that I liked as well, because that, again, relied and the good element of a, of a quiz show is either if you know the answers. So if you're on, on Bradley Walsh's thing, I mean, I've I'd, I'd worked out a way of fiddling that programme. Am I the only one who's thought about it? That they tell the people who, you know, who are the, the ones that they're all fearful of what all the questions and answers are. And then they just sit there and recite them back again. That, I mean, that, that uh, admittedly, it doesn't make it sort of any more entertaining. But it would be easy to fit it. would certainly not be beyond the bounds of possibility. I mean, quite clearly they don't, but, and I'm only saying that to cover myself, because I don't know how the blooming thing works, but it would be easy, wouldn't it? Because you look at some of the quid, you think, how do they know that? But there again, you know, it it, 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 you remember her? I mean, she knew the answer to everything. So there's obviously terribly, terribly intelligent. What do you keep doing this for? What is this? You keep the lights on or something? You have to do, you have to sort of wave like a windmill i love it when nick abbott does that it just makes me laugh so much every time he did it he used to moan about the lights because if, if you don't do movement in the studio the lights go off so you sit here in darkness and every time it used to happen to nick abbott i used to laugh like a drain it was so funny he'd send his blooming lights have gone off and he'd have to stand up and wave his arms around so anyway so jasper carrot i think i don't think he needs to worry about going back on um um he feels he could do a British version of the US comedy news show last week tonight, hosted by fellow Brummy John Oliver. He says, I don't do TV because I cannot do what I want to do. I'd love to be doing Carrot's Lib. He says, I don't think a TV station has got the courage to do what he's doing, taking on big business. Well, I think he's... I mean, I love Jasper Carrot. But bearing in mind, he's worth a fortune. Because he was a shareholder in the company that made Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And I think he got... I forgot how many millions he got. But he certainly has done fantastically well. Stephen Fry is in the papers today. Surprisingly, Stephen Fry is getting death threats. He's bombarded with homophobic death threats. His husband, Elliot, tweeted... No, this is not the Elliot from here. This is another Elliot. Uh, tweeted uh, in shock on an online troll who commented, shame you didn't crash on a photo of the pair. And um, the original snap showed Stephen with Elliot seated in a helicopter... Uh, Elliot was moved to name and shame his abuser, sharing the user's comment, and wrote, Wow, some things are best ignored, but to wish death on somebody. Uh, it is amazing, I mean, isn't it, that sort of people had to name and shame this one. I'm thick-skinned and above it, but her entire account is made up of vile comments and abusing people. Well, I mean, she's, she's one of those sickos. She's a sicko. Anybody who abuses, and we've seen people who abuse on Twitter, but to send death threats. I mean, what you have to do, Elliot and Stephen, as you know, is you go to the police... The police will have her arrested and you drag her into court by her hair, if necessary. And uh, and you sort this person out. These people, they, they, don't, they don't deserve to have any right to write anything. But the trouble is with the Internet, you don't know who it is who's writing stuff. But you can find them very easily. Seriously, you can find them. They're, they're really not difficult to find. And so my advice would be get her into court. I'll name and shame on this programme. We like stuff like that. 14 minutes to six.
0: Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. I found the worst meal that you could ever have, but many of you might find this absolutely delicious. It is the Sunday Roast Burger, OK? And if you could manage the Sunday Roast Burger, what is in it? Well, I'll tell you now. Uh, it's created by Michael Hewitt. It's called the Yorkshire Pudding Burger. And it can cont- I'm salivating already. Uh, it contains two 20-ounce beef patties... 220, I don't know what that is, but it sounds pretty big to me. And two pounds of diced chicken breast. Two pounds. Smothered in mozzarella cheese and served between two giant Yorkshire puddings. It comes with gravy, a tub of chips and a pint of milkshake on the side. If you can finish it in 30 minutes, you get a place on the wall of fame, a T-shirt and the meal for free. But you have to eat. I mean, it's very bad to eat. This is 5,000 calories, by the way. I thought I'd better mention that little bit here. And uh, he says, we wanted to bring the old roast and Sunday cuisine together. And we came up with the Yorkie p- Pud Burger. Um, so we joined the American cuisine, the burger, and the quintessentially British food, the Yorkshire pudding which other than fidget chips is one of the most uh, British dishes, you could call it the fusion of the countries. It's a very nice idea. Is it, do you think there's anything to suggest in their thing that two of you couldn't eat it? I mean, this would be a meal... So it's 25 quid. You get a lot of food for 25 quid. And I do love Yorkshire pudding. I do love Yorkshire, and I do love gravy. I'm not sure two 20-ounce patties is actually going to do the, uh, do the thing as well. Uh, Britain's first openly gay rugby referee... He's in line to take charge of the World Cup final next month. Nigel Owens came out eight years ago. He said it was a far more frightening step than taking charge of a top rugby match, but my life changed, my refereeing changed, and it took off from there. He comes from uh, Difford. And he said that he tried to take his own life when he was 24, but he's now a leading contender, to take uh, control of the final at Twickenham. Good heavens above. I mean, honestly, it's just rife everywhere now. Not even the hallowed portals of Twickenham, ladies and gentlemen, are safe for it. A gay referee. Did you ever think you'd be sitting here, Stephen, in the year 2015, saying, a gay referee? The answer is not. Well, not, not when I read you a story that Stephen Fry gets death threats from some, some Twitter troll who's probably an ugly and, uh, and sort of says, I hope you and your boyfriend die in a crash. Husband, incidentally. Uh, I'm always part of the 4am spike, says Nick in, in Bexley. But I'm uh, always driving to work, so I never get the chance to send you a message. But the only thing that can actually get me to work I'm going to Salzburg in a few weeks. Starting to worry about getting there as I'm driving. Will I still get through? Yes, you'll still get through. Oh it's oh I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry. My phone was off again. I have got it turned off. Producer never believes a word. Um Um, So, uh, yes, Salzburg is absolutely beautiful. It's it's picture postcard. It's picture postcard stuff. And the reason it's picture postcard is because it's where they filmed The Sound of Music. They did a lot of the the shots in Salzburg. The one thing was the, the Salzburgers hated The Sound of Music hated it since then of course they've capitalized on it every which way but and there's now sound of music tours if you're very lucky you might get a member of the cast who actually joins you because one of the girls goes over there quite a lot and uh, she absolutely loves it and so it's very pretty prettier than vienna i think even paul hollingdale would agree that salzburg is prettier than vienna it really is you know it's it's pretty chocolate box tyrolean it's lovely it's really lovely I mean, I, but I, I like Vienna. I'm a bit biased because I, I sort of just, you know, I spent nine years in, in Vienna and loved every minute going backwards and forwards, working over there and working over here. And it was super. It was really, really super. And, uh, and Salzburg, lovely. So you'll love it. And I think you'll have no trouble getting there at all. You'll have no trouble getting in or no trouble getting out. Just remember to make sure you've got, you know, your papers with you and stuff like that. I found my uh, my blooming uh, passport the other day. You often think. I wonder where, because I lose things, as you know, left, right, and centre. And uh, so I'm I'm trying not to lose things at the moment. And at the moment, it's uh, it's um, it's it's the uh, the document for the car, which is uh, which is dreadful. Uh, Steve Warren uh, wrote to me and said the T-cut worked, but uh, but the new one, there's one especially for heavy scratches. Can hardly see it now, but I'll definitely get it resprayed. Yeah, I mean, I said to you. Before you must really, when you when you get this tea cut, because it, it you just need to rub it circular in. I mean, how can I describe this? Yeah, you sort of. T- it, it'll be worth doing a, a respray because they can do it probably quite easily. Uh, but And you can probably do it on the insurance, I, I should imagine. But if, if you're doing the T-cut on this, don't just wipe it straight along. It. Do it swirly, swirly. So it's almost melt. I always see it as trying to melt the paint. And so it fills in the gap. And it looks a lot better and makes you feel a lot better as well about it. Because he had his car keyed the other day. And I said, well, the best way really to sort it out is to go and get T-cut. And that would be, uh, would be better. Well, at least it makes him feel a bit better. Kate says, if you bought a new Panda, you could reduce the amount of clutter in the boot. Uh, but, I mean, Seriously. Seriously, do you honestly believe, listening to me over all these years, that Steve Allen could be seen in a Fiat Panda? <laughs> I mean, seriously. I wouldn't, I mean, I have been in a Panda, but it's not uh, It's not so good at all, actually. Not so good. Uh, another one here. I remember being in a local pub watching 9-11. And uh, a lot of people thought it would, uh, you know, them, you know... It, it was. It was just. Oh, sorry, the phone's going off again. I have to sort of hide it. I have to hide the phone. You can't call it. Uh, how about uh, instead of using animals for testing, they should do convicted rapists and people like that? Yes, I mean that was put around some years ago, and and I don't think, I don't think you could you could ever do that. You really don't. But uh, apparently, if the morning sickness drug had been tested on rabbits, thalidomide would not have happened. Uh, another one here says all diabetics says Jim, be warned, look after your feet. Listen, I um. I've been warning people about feet for diabetics for ages and ages and ages. Uh, Another one here. I'm so bored with the Jezza and Diane patronising and pontificating. And I've now been tuning in for six weeks. I've abandoned, says Pat, all other radio stations. There you go. And uh, lots of baking for Thanksgiving, says Charlotte. Lots of apple pie. And from what I see on film, lots of cookies Uh, Which is good. Good news about the cat, says Fran. The super vet operated successfully. Cat made full recovery. Oh, thank goodness for that. I do. I do worry about that. Hazel in West London says uh, I used to listen to the station with my dad when I was younger uh, and I used to get ready for school. Many years later, your show keeps me company and sane when my son is restless at night. Yes, you've got to have some reason. Well, you know, Charlie Girling. Charlie Gurley. I mean, she's addicted because she's now doing feeds all over the place. But every time we actually talk about uh, talk about food, everybody gets a bit upset on this programme. So I, I try not to mention food as uh, as often as I would. Uh, Steve just made me laugh again with the fat slob comment, and I'm 66. I think you're never too young to start uh, laughing. Eight four eight five oh Steve at lbc.co.uk and uh, everything we weave in there is nothing we miss out on the program we you know otherwise it just is a little bit pointless uh, no chance now says jackie and finchley that i'm going to get back to sleep i'm lying here chuckling out loud which is good <laughs> Listen, I like the idea. I like the idea. I think it's absolutely fantastic that people sort of lie in bed still. I tend to forget. See, I assume, because I'm up at this time of the morning, everybody else is up at this time of the morning. Uh, More of your uh, texts and uh, emails. Uh, Steve says, Peter, you must have a look at my photo. It's a selfie with Nicole Kidman. Yeah, I've got photographs with the celebrities as well. <laughs> uh, 84850, Uh Daily Mail uh, is uh, here this morning with um, Bowden hitting the high street. The fashion catalogue, loved by Yummy Mummies, is going to open uh, a string of stores. I don't even know what it is. But apparently it's hugely successful. Uh, there's the Mayor of Pomposity. This is uh, Lord Mayor Sonia Crisp's demands. She says uh, she's demanded city centre flat, new chains and tells her officials, I'm the first citizen I have rights to. And I don't know where she is, actually. Oh, this is the one in, is this in London. Good Lord. So she wants a grace and favour department. This is quite nice, isn't it, really? If you want to lose weight, the latest advice is try eating off smaller plates. Apparently, because you're, uh, you're eating off bigger plates, you think you have to fill the plate You have to fill the plate, and, of course, you don't have to fill the plate at all. Uh, Corbyn's ragbag team of C-listers. Diane Abbott, international aid, the mail says. Who? Key figure in Corbyn's campaign, who's also from the party's hard left, though it didn't stop her sending her son to private school. A regular on TV, she's more likely to be fired for a gaffe than... Flouts out in protest at the new leaders' policies. John Macdonald, the shadow chancellor. Heidi Alexander, health. Who? Who indeed, they say. And they run through them all. Chris Bryant, Vernon Coker, Lucy Powell, Hillary Benn. Who? Left-wing father, Tony, would have been a far better fit... Though Corbyn will be pleased, this veteran of the Blair and Brown government has agreed to stay on. Imagine calling somebody Hillary, though, in this day and age. I had to explain to somebody the other day, they said, isn't it a girl's name? I said, well, apparently not, because we used to have a wrestler years ago called Shirley Crabtree, who was a man. And nobody argued with him, did they? Coming up to the news at six o'clock, it's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Louis Walsh says the X Factor's very dreary without me. He's not wrong. Dane Bowers facing jail, convicted of an assault. Labour chaos. Jez unveils the front bench. It doesn't look so good. The dog sold for medical testing. Prince Andrew's got some new friends. He really is Billy No-Mates. Could olive oil reduce the breast cancer risk? The Liza Minnelli tour is off. Both of the shows are cancelled. The UK's most dangerous roads revealed and Ringo Starr to auction some Beatles memorabilia. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen.
0: This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC, text 84850, Steve Allen. On LBC.
1: Morning everybody, five past six. Tuesday, 15th of September. With you till 6 30 this morning. Labor chaos as Jezza unveils the front bench. It's a lot of people who've been hanging around for ages and some with no experience whatsoever. Record price for the first issue of Bino, the TV Girl, in the 9-11 Blunder. Nobody told her what it was, they just said it was an aeroplane movie. The Lord Mayor of Pomposity, the shock rise in the energy bills. Prince Andrew's new friends. Oh, dear, honestly. Can he find nobody to play with? The answer, not really. The Liza Minnelli tour is off. Both dates cancelled. She's not coming. Ringo Starr to auction. Beatles memorabilia. The nut will be interesting. Revealed the UK's most dangerous roads. And Keith Richards Bentley. 800000 God, if his is worth 800000 and he's terribly ancient. Mine must be worth even more. So, uh, Prince Andrew nobody quite understands what Prince Andrew ever does in life, not really very much actually he seems to sort of pootle around all over the place he's been given a nice lifestyle by his mother because that's what mothers do, they look after their children but when it comes to anything he's just top of the useless pile, Uh, they say he's formed an unlikely friendship with the B&B owning stars of the TV show Gogglebox, isn't it funny, they call them stars now, a pair of old drunks Steph and Dom sitting on a sofa I mean really, you know, a bit sad but of course fitting in very well with Prince Andrew I should imagine because he's stayed there, he's become a regular a visit he stayed last week paying 325 quid a night for a room what for a and b saw you coming mate saw you 325 quid for that place they're living in good god and they tried to sell the place didn't they 325 quid a night how hilarious anyway and um apparently he did have a full english breakfast while attending a golf tournament oh there's a surprise oh sorry forgot to say he wasn't actually working at the moment he arrived by privately chartered helicopter he attended the Duke of York's Young Champions Trophy. Oh dear God! why is that it's just something because he likes playing golf? It's all a bit sad and tedious. But apparently, uh, you remember that the B and B has been used for uh, a-, a swingers' club. Uh, people paid five hundred pounds. A ticket for a no-holds-barred orgy. Heavens above, honestly. They all say it's ridiculous, isn't it? A member of staff said, Stefan Dom will be making no comment about the royal visit to respect the prince's privacy. They don't tell people, but everyone in Sandwich knows about it. He comes here every year. He's quite well known by people in the town as he walks around the shops and goes to local restaurants. Well, he's not working, is he? That's why. You're welcome to him. Welcome to him. Do you know that stressed mums start boozing first thing in the morning? After the school pick-up, they open a bottle of wine. I mean surely not. Surely not, really? Do people, I mean, are, are, are that many people addicted to the to the booze nowadays? The answer is probably yes. Uh, the robot story is great by Claire Fogis in the Mail Today. They've got a picture of uh, a robot receptionist at Japan's strange hotel. I'm quite taken by that. I mean, slightly bizarre, slightly bizarre, but but still still quite interesting. And then a picture of Sean Connery at the age of 85. He makes few public appearances. But as a major tennis fan, he can't resist the lure of the U.S. Open. I mean, hes, he's uh, to be honest with you, he's 85. He does apart from the fact he looks a bit doddery. I noticed that the other day there was somebody on the television, and like I can't remember if I've told you who it was actually, but they—they they appeared on a show the other day, and this—and this person's in their seventies now. But what they're doing is the same thing they did years ago, um, which is sort of you know making the funny faces and doing. But of course now it just looks a bit odd. Because when you get a bit older, you can't do those things. It was like Norman Wisdom. You know, when he started doing his funny things, when he was a bit older, it was was falling over and stuff like that. It was fine when he was younger. When he got a bit older, it was a bit different, a bit difficult. And I've interviewed a few other people over the years who, you know, you can see what they used to be like and now... They, they've sort of changed, and this particular person had changed quite a lot, but was still doing the old, ooh, dimples and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't, that that's not a clue, incidentally, to the person. But uh, it was very interesting, because I, I I watched it quite carefully, thinking, oh dear, they're now wandering into their twilight years. Um, and then the care home workers. A lot of people were talking about this yesterday on LBC. Should you ever call the elderly sweetie? And the answer is, Yeah. Why not? You know, what what difference does it make? People like that. We had the other day somebody saying, oh, all right, handsome, and they like that. That makes people smile. You know, when you get a bit older, you want that sort of thing. Uh, I forgot to tell you, uh, says Nick from Bexley, why I'm going to Salzburg. I'm competing in the World Beard Championship. Yes, I've seen the beard championship. He said it's uh, it's also the one hundred twenty fifth anniversary of the town's marching band, so I'm sure you would love it. Yes, I know all about beards and stuff like that. Slightly off kilter, slightly off kilter, only because I've never had a beard. I've never ever had a beard in in my life. I don't know why. I don't know why. Um, I suppose it's because I just can't. I just can't do a beard. I couldn't ever... I cannot go a day without shaving. So I certainly couldn't grow a beard, could I? I don't think so. Uh, it was Charlotte Bronte who made Shirley into a girl's name in her novel Shirley. Shirley used to be my maiden name as well, says Jane in Bickley. You mean Shirley into a into a man's name? Or was Shirley a boy's name to start with? Shirley Crabtree, I thought was very odd. And Hilary Ben. I mean, Hilary is a girl's name. Since when was Hillary a man's name? Although I suppose... I mean, I'm trying to think of famous Hilary's. I thought of actually... Sir Edmund Hillary, but that was his surname, so it doesn't really help at all, does it? And uh, another one says, uh, I had my leg amputated uh, below the knee a year ago today because of diabetes. Oh, I'm well. don't worry, you won't find anybody who looks after themselves better than me. <laughs> Good heavens above, especially feet. I'm the man with a bathroom full of more creams and things for taking off dry... S- oh, I've got the whole shebang. Oh, I've got the whole shebang. You don't need to tell me about feet. I tell other people about feet being a card-carrying, banner-waving diabetic. Uh, Ringo Starr is selling more than... Now, this should be interesting. Do you not think so? If you're a Beatles fan, 800 possessions, Beatles memorabilia, in an auction they reckon could raise up to £6.5 million. Uh, The drummer and his wife, Barbara Bark, decided on a sale after clearing out homes and storage units around the world. Uh, Fans can bid for a drum kit that he used in more than 200 Beatles performances and recordings between May 63 and February 64, including such hits as Can't Buy Me Love. That should sell between 194 and 324,000. That is the Beatles drum kit. That's Ringo Starr's drum kit. There's also a Rickenbacker guitar, known as the Beetlebacker that John Lennon gave to Starr. Estimated up to half a million pounds. Um He had the idea for the auction after a museum in Los Angeles asked to put on an exhibition about him. We have so much stuff and a lot of it we haven't seen in 20 to 30 years. The sale will be in Beverly Hills, California, December the 4th and 5th. I mean, you've got to have a bit of money, though, to buy anything. Can you imagine the stuff that he's got? The stuff that he's actually got. The memorabilia from the Beatles. Oh, God, it just doesn't even bear thinking about. He must have all sorts of exciting... Oh, Dr. Hillary... Yes, Doctor Hillary. It seems different when it's prefaced by Doctor, doesn't it? Hillary Jones. Yes, you're right. Actually, Doctor Hillary. Funny how yeah, so It's funny. Hillary Ben. You think, oh, that's a girl's name. Doctor Hillary. You think it just sounds like Doctor Hillary. I suppose because we're used to seeing it all the time. Uh, the Hollywood House Swap feature is in the mail today. You need to have a look at it because it's it's really really good. It's very interesting to see exactly what. Um, what uh, people have uh, have bought and how much they've paid for it. How much they've paid for it. Britain's riskiest routes are in the papers. I hope you're not on any of these ones. At number 10, the A643 Brighouse, from Brickhouse to Morley in West Yorkshire. These are the riskiest routes, more dangerous than motorways. Number 9, the A40, the M4 Junction 5 to High Wycombe. Uh, The A361, Chipping Norton to Banbury. The M6, Junction 33, Lancaster. Oh, you're just going past that one, are you? Canterbury to Hearn Bay. The A291. The A532, uh, from A530 to A534 crew in Cheshire. Uh, The A44, uh, Landgerg to Aberystwyth. (laughs) I think that's how you pronounce the first one. Uh, The A588 which is the A585 Blackpool going to Lancaster. All risky routes. Uh, Second is the A36, which is the A3090 to Tottenham in Hampshire. And the riskiest route is the A18 from Laceby to Ludborough in Lincolnshire. Far more accidents on these stretches of roads than anywhere else in the country. So they are the the nation's deadliest roads. Uh, Oh, posh has been uh, criticised for showing off skeletons on the catwalk. Well, she doesn't want anybody looking too fat, does she? Otherwise, it'll make her look even worse. So, consequently, she's got to use thin models. That's how it works nowadays. Uh, Other stories were in here. Oh, hopping, apparently, could stop you having a fall. I dread having a fall. I'm not, I'm not, not good at things like that now. You sort of worry about falling over. So, I try not to do it as often as possible. And, um... Lots of pictures of Sharon Stone, who is ageless. Actually, she's only 57. It's not like she's 97, is it? She's 57 and she looks, she looks good for 57. But then look at Joan Collins for over 80. Joan Collins looks absolutely fantastic. Also facing jail is the man who slapped women in the street for sneezing. The reason he slapped women in the street is because, and it was only people who sort of took out tissues to wipe their noses or touch their noses, he slapped them across the head, muttering, don't sneeze in front of me. He's a schizophrenic. He's he's out on the streets and he doesn't like people sneezing. He he, he also verbally abused a scared down syndrome uh, sufferer. Uh, his, his abusive... Mongrel remarks to a 49-year-old man with Down syndrome as a disability hate crime and branded his actions generally as grossly offensive. But he is a schizophrenic. He is a schizophrenic, so, you know, who knows where that one's going to go. Quarter past six is...
0: Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Very interesting. We've had some more uh, Hillary's, of course. The, uh, the man who played the German general was Hilary Minster, says Malcolm. Yes, I'd I'd remembered that one as well. There's obviously quite a few of them out there. Uh, Am I right in saying that film star John Wayne's real name was Marion, says Theresa? Yes, it was (laughs) Marion. It's odd, isn't it, really? It is odd. Mind you, I mean, uh, it was very interesting. On Saturday night, they had the Through the Keyhole programme. It's quite ghastly, quite ghastly. And uh, what they do, they uh, they showed a a stuffed dead cat on a chair in the living room of the third mystery house. I mean, did anybody else yell out Bruce Forsyth? Anybody? No, just me again. And speaking of Strictly... Ian Highland says, I must admit, I found it odd that Tess Daly didn't recognise Craig Revel Horwood's elegant home immediately. I mean, surely in all the time they've been working together, he's had a round for drinkies at least once. Claudia's been loads of times. Barbed there, barbed. Uh, Over at the Antiques Roadshow Royal Special, uh, Rupert Muss had this to say about a 1950s photo of the Queen. Wasn't she pretty? There's something stunningly glamorous about that image. That's him unfriended on LinkedIn then. Sexist pig. Shouldn't be allowed out. And Celebrity Juice returned with a new game that involved a pair of ladies' tights and a small orange. It's uh, either, you know, somebody's original idea or Keith Lemon's been hanging around with some Tories. Uh, Other stories which are in the the papers for today. Couple tell of romance con heartwake. My love rat fiancé left me for a woman he met online but I found out he'd fallen for a scam so I took him back. Well, that's all right then, isn't it? And uh, the UK summers to be colder for a decade. Noticeably colder this morning. Noticeably colder this morning. So, uh, so just take uh, just take care. Also, um, a freak tornado which ripped through Northampton, causing about thirty pence worth of damage. And I forgot to bring you the story this morning of the uh, of a guy called Mister Lawson. He's a former POW, a former prisoner of war. He was threatened with eviction for arrears whilst too ill to pay his rent. He claims that the Nazis treated him better than his local Labour council. Uh, Richard Lawson is 91, just six weeks overdue and panicked when he received the warning letter. The worried grandfather of three hurried to a post office to settle up, but collapsed and was taken to hospital. He's lived in the same council flat in Croydon for 20 years. He said, I went in to pay the money and there were a couple of people waiting to be seen. Before I got to the counter, I felt unwell and just went. They sent the ambulance and took me to hospital. I suppose I was upset, but I shouldn't have been. He was captured in 1944. He said, the Germans were horrible, but they treated me better than the council. It's been a hell of a business. The council have not been very helpful. Anyway, Croydon council have now apologised, so they blooming well should for the incident, and vowed to improve its IT system. They said that he received an automatically generated letter because his rent was six weeks overdue. As soon as we realised that the letter had gone out, we rang him early on Friday morning, assured him that he would not be evicted. Shouldn't have sent it in the first place, should you? Sick to death. Is when councils get exposed by a newspaper that they start backtracking like... Crazy, Don't they start saying things like, oh, we're terribly sorry. That'll never happen again. <clears throat> of course it will. It happens time and time again. But uh, each time we sort of we get the apology and that's it. Uh, very quickly, uh, another one here. A lot of people sending me things about the uh, about the government and about the, uh, the shakeups, uh, which might or might not happen. Uh, I wonder really why yummy mummies, when picking up their little darlings outside school in the afternoon, says Ian, drove like they were on a a bumper car ride. Maybe they'd been at the Vino. They'd be very silly to do that, wouldn't they, really? And the reason for the beard contest being in Germany is it encourages that it's in Austria, excuse me. The Germans should grow them as we all know what happened when an Austrian grew a very small moustache. Thank you, Danny. Very much indeed. They do. They like these things abroad, don't they? They like, you know, competitions like the beard competition. Front page of the Daily Star, first Evan show ends in carnage. Boozy Chris, top beer orgy, which is, you know, it's OK. They can do what they like. It's their, their, their programme. Uh, also, Simon Cowell and his acts, which are doomed. Time for more kissing, apparently. According to Peter Capaldi, who is the Time Lord, he said that there should be more time in the programme for kissing. Oh, we don't want kissy-poos. No, thank you very much indeed. No, 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 no. Definitely not, not kissy-poos. Uh, all the uh, the posh models, as I say, they're all stick-thin and also terribly plain. There's obviously something about models nowadays. Perhaps they just have to look androgynous. They don't really look particularly feminine, but they're wearing these ghastly clothes, ghastly clothes and shoes. And it just looks awful. But perhaps they were cheap. Who knows? And um, and so if they get anybody who looks reasonably normal, she's going to look emaciated. So consequently, they employ stick-thin models. And they do it all. They always get, it gets them coverage whichever way they do it. If they're fat, they're fat. If they're thin, they're thin. And uh, and if, they, if they're not, nobody cares, do they? Uh, there's a shopaholic who nicked um, four stolen credit cards. Uh, her name's uh, Lubza Ashraf. She spent... 77,000 pounds she splashed out on jewellery designer watches she bought two rolexes and um, she admitted 18 counts of fraud and uh, they haven't thrown her in prison yet Well, i think they should do really don't you i think just throw her in prison and go round and take everything back i'll tell you if i was if i was uh, if i was in court nowadays i'd have a great deal of fun, because I wouldn't be standing with these people. You know, I'm sorry, how much do you steal? £36,000 or 40000 That whatever it happens to be. Right, we're going around your house. What have you got? Let's have a look. OK, television's out. You're losing the car. We've got my car. Well, you're losing it anyway, all right? And we're taking your walls, your windows, your doors and everything else, OK? That's your problem solved. Thank you very much indeed for your company this morning. I'll have a free podcast up for you in probably around about 15, 20 minutes, if we can get our skates on, which, of course, we always do every day. And, uh, and then I shall go home and try and find the Blasted logbook for the car It's going to be the bane of my life this blooming logbook isn't it We should never get the number plate changed I can just tell And uh, we sort that out And even if we can't find the logbook we've ordered a a Replacement anyway just in case And I'm hoping this one will turn up very very quickly Uh, We're back with you tomorrow I keep thinking it's Friday, no it's not Friday is the the Rugby World Cup That's Friday evening and Saturday evening So uh, Twickenham to be avoided I'm in Twickenham opening Paul Cooper's Fruit and veg shop at uh, 5 o'clock this evening So if you want to pop down, it'll be a a small affair, as they say, but uh, we'll have a little bit of fun. And you can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like. You can download the LBC app. If you missed any of today's show, there is the podcast app. That's available for iPhones and now Android phones as well. I'm back with you tomorrow morning between 4 and 6.30. You can follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. At 7, it's Nick Ferrari at breakfast. But coming up next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news.
0: This is LBC.